And welcome to episode 6 of the Geeks Codex podcast. I am your ever-present host, Matthew Briggs, here to bring you more of the stuff that we talk about on a regular basis. I'm joined once again by editor extraordinaire Paul Stevens. Hello there. And the ever-effervescent James Cook. Wow, you really tried not to mess that up and you succeeded. Well done. I've been practicing. Well done. <laughs> I deserve that practice. Oh yes, I'm, I'm a <laughs> professional, don't you know? Acting. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, so we're here again, uh, six episodes in. Can you believe it? We're still going with this. We haven't given up, despite the fact that like it's just me and Paul listening to the show. Hey. And James I, occasionally. I listen to it. <laughs> Phil sometimes says things. Hi, Phil. <laughs> anyway, on to our topics of this episode. And I know I said I was going to pass directly off to James, but ha-ha, surprise! The command received a distress signal. Moments before the base went offline. Move up. Die, die, die! What is going on? They opened up a portal down. <laughs> didn't the Doom Annihilation trailer look fucking pathetic, guys? I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it either. And that is exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. I didn't about. know it was out. That's how little people it were talking about it. It looks so garbage. It looks like a sci-fi like made movie. Like the network. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a sci-fi home movie sort of thing. Like like Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus sort of bad. That's the kind of set design we've got going for it. It's so bad that, and I apologise, man, who tweeted it because you're amazing and hilarious, but someone tweeted directly at the official id Doom account saying, with with the trailer attached to the tweet, saying, um, some of the lines of, uh, can you comment on this? What's your thoughts on this movie? The official id Doom Twitter responded with, we have no involvement in this movie. Can you, can you get a more damning tweet oh, from, from the Doom guy? He's like, nope, nope, it, looked, it looks bad. I mean, as I say, I've not actually seen the trailer. I saw you... It doesn't have anything it, but... to do with Doom, basically, from uh, what I, I mean, can tell. <laughs> okay, so on paper, it gets a lot of things right. There's actual demons this time. Uh, they're kind of on important. Mars. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. That, that's where similarities end. Yeah. Do, does it have, like, a guy playing a, a guitar at one point? Just nope. For no reason? Nah. You missed a real opportunity there. Does it have John Romero's disembodied head? Nope. Nope. Then what's the fucking It has point? some guy shouting, die, die, die in it. Which, unless it's Reaper, <laughs> just comes off as the actual, like cringe, edgy emo that it should do. I mean, it does. It's not good. It does with Reaper as well. It's just fun then, because he is just an edgelord. Oh, he'll cut himself on the edge. <laughs> but yeah, and also, the main thing about Doom is there is no Doom Slayer in this movie. What? Yep. It's just not a Doom movie. I mean, this is what it ultimately comes down to. They just bought the rights to use the name Doom and decided to set it on Mars and put demons in it, which... I mean, you How know, do you fuck that up, though? Briggy, we knows. have we have a brand new female marine who's the lead for this movie, who we know nothing about other than is not the Doomslayer. At which point, doesn't matter what your gender politics are, doesn't matter any opinion you might have, it is Doom without the Doomslayer. Don't do it. Or don't do it. Or what you do is is you do the music video for Smack My Bitch Up Reveal, where you do it all in first person, and at the end, you're like, it was a woman all along. A hardcore Henry Saw movie would be like, amazing for Doom, yeah. but 
that's not what a Doom movie should be, and this is not what the Doom movie should be. In fact, this the release of this movie now means that the 2005 Doom movie will be known as the good Doom movie. No, it won't. It <laughs> Don't already, fucking the, exaggerate. The, the less it is, bad. It is, it is already known across the internet as the good one now. The, the Bullshit. Less, the less bad it, Doom movie. But yeah, what? which means the good one. I mean, but it's just... It's Relatively. Just, I mean, bringing... Yes, but still. No movie is better than... That, the, 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 the original, the 2005 Doom movie did have that bitching sequence with when Carl Urban wakes back up again and does the whole thing in first person. Well, yeah. That's awesome. That's what I mean, if you just did yeah. the whole film like that. Yeah. But I mean, Bringy... It's, it's called Hardcore Henry. Bringy knows one. my opinion is... Don't talk about Hardcore Henry in front of me. I will lose my mind. Um, Bringy knows that my opinion is just that we didn't need a fucking Doom movie ever. Doom is just a perfectly good video no, game. No, someone out there is going to make us the Doom movie we deserve. That someone is now following the Geeks Codex on Twitter. You're just doing this so that we can give a shout out, aren't you? Shout out to Stephen Ford, who's now following us you, on Twitter. You remembered that we had him following us and you were like, shit, we have to talk about Doom. <laughs> well, he's, he's already laid out the perfect idea for a Doom movie. And, and, Stephen Ford is the only US Carmen Rider. He was Kamen Rider Dragon Knight. We don't talk about Master Rider from the 90s. It's bad. <laughs> okay, that's get... not how criteria for existence works. It's like the prequels for Star Wars. We've erased them from our minds. No, because they're retconned now. They're fine. Are people, they yeah, people are happy with them now. It's weird. Well, no, what happened was people who grew up watching them as kids are now nostalgic for them, regardless of quality. They're yes. idiots. It's, no, people no. are allowed to like things that's, that are bad if they grew up with them. That they're allowed. Yeah, and also because everyone got mad at eight, so then... <laughs> Eight is good. Yeah, but people got mad at it and they were like, oh, well, maybe the prequels weren't that bad. Cause, no, like, no, no, no. Eight... The internet is tripping. Four, yeah. five, six, seven, eight, all good. Yes. One, mediocre but not terrible. Two and three, garbage. Oh, this movies. is pod racing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but it had Liam Neeson in it, so it's okay. But the, it also had Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> the novelization for three is pretty good. <laughs> the only example of a novelization being better than the movie in history is the Revenge of the Sith one. <laughs> Uh, Phantom Menace is the only one that requires like the least amount of rewrites to make it good. That's why it's I, I would agree bad. with that. Yeah. What are you talking about? The third one is just fine. Because no. Darth Vader, he's a, he killed kids and oh, bad guy. The younglings are <laughs> making him. <laughs> I have the high ground. <laughs> there you go, you see, he's so quotable. It's fine. Um, I don't know no. where that accent came from. And then there's the weird thing it's where okay. Natalie Portman just plays like a 12-year-old in the first one, which is just strange, even though she was like 18 and looked it. Yeah. And Kira Knightley did that thing where she played Natalie Portman as like a Thunderbolt, <laughs> and you're like, shit, I don't know who the difference is. Yeah. So I think because of discussion, we can all agree that the new Doom Annihilation is garbage. Moving on. <laughs> yes, we, we did it. We did the thing. We had a tangent. Well done. Yes. Yeah. Do I get to talk about my shit now? Go for it. You got I, what? More than meets the eye. The Transformers. More than meets the eye. No, no, more than meets the eye was the old one. No, so um, I am here as usual to bring you your fucking two weekly Transformers update because that's just my life now. That's just the thing that I do with my life. So the IDW Transformers relaunch got started, which is as I was saying to Briggy before we started the podcast, the kind of reboot that I wish more comics companies that did reboots would commit to, where it's just a fucking reboot. There's no weird crisis event that tries to explain it. No, they brought the old IDW Transformers comics continuity to a complete end, gave it a nice send-off, and then they just started a new continuity. I mean, I agree with you, and you can continue saying all this, but stay keep away from crisis. Okay. Leave crisis alone. 
I meant in terms of like, there's no huge event that preceded it. They just finished up their fucking stories and started a new one. So, I like um, events. So, oh, oh, like a real thing. Like uh, it had a beginning and an end, and then it had a different thing. And it had a good end as well. Like the um, old IDW series, there were several of them running at the time, went out on like a proper high, and there was a proper resolution, and it just kind of ended. And then the new one started. So Transformers number one came out, I want to say a couple of weeks ago now. I can't remember exactly when. And it's it's good. Like it's a good fucking comic book. It's really cool to see something that is set before the war, which means that at the moment it is all on Cybertron, which is nice and not something that we're used to getting. Normally they're just kind of like, oh, where's the children? So it's more Orion Pax and Optimus Prime then? Yeah, yeah. And, no um, one likes you, Orion. But no, it, it's not set that far in the past. Orion um, Pax is Optimus Prime before he they've done Optimus Prime? Yes. 80s TVs, don't worry about it. You should know this. You watch 80s cartoons. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's really good. I mean, obviously it's like one issue in, so not a lot has happened so far, but it's clearly carrying on the kind of tone and style of the previous series. You know, it, it's clearly very much like in the same kind of vein, which is good because that's when the comics started getting really good and started winning awards and shit. And not just like Transformers fans being like, we gave it an award. Do any, this sounds like a stupid question for the comic book Transformers. Do any of them at any point transform into anything? Yes. <laughs> no, well, no, it's just because I always got confused by Transformers because like, obviously they go to Earth and then they try and blend in by transforming into... Oh. Because they're robots in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> they're but, more than meets the eye, Paul. But, but on, on like their home world, do yeah, they no, have they, like yeah. fire trucks? Oh, they, they transform Cybertronian just into fire like... Trucks. Yeah, basically. They're all angular and weird. <laughs> okay, that's cool then. Because yeah. I was all like... Well, and they transform into like... Man, there was like a whole thing in the comics about it. Like there were like... Transformers IDW got really fucking into... What does it mean to have a species that transforms into things? And they were like, what kind of society would you have if you were like, well, that person transforms into like a car and a car is awesome. And that person transforms into a memory stick and that's lame as hell. That's like a major fucking part of the world building where it's like, well, would you like judge people based on if they transformed into something cool or not? Well, we do it. I transform into a nerd. (laughs) Sorry, I transform into a programmer at work. So like there's this whole element to IDW where they basically took Transformers 80s cartoon bullshit 100% at face value and created like political world building around it. Energon cubes! And that's why I fucking love it. It's so... You're reading it and you're like, this is both good sci-fi and also buck wild. (laughs) That's how you store energy, Paul. In cubes. (laughs) Yes! Well... Okay, so in terms of the, the the hierarchy of transformations, and you were saying like cars are better than USB sticks. Yeah, like, depends what you need. But if I want to back up my portfolio, I don't need a car. Yeah, I can't fucking drive. Yeah, everyone's but, got a purpose, right? But but <laughs> you know the transformers that can conglomerate into a bigger. Oh yeah, combiners. Combiners. Yeah. Mm. Do they have to be like of a certain like grouping? Do they have to go to a school? No, that- no, no that's, that's like your cliques. Then, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. serious answer. All the cheerleaders, they become a giant cheerbot. <laughs> the serious answer is that in the comics, that turned into a huge ongoing plot thread that involved religious artifacts. Nice. <laughs> it's been handled differently multiple times. It has. Not They're... all of them are good. Machinima did the combined award trilogy. It's not good. No. No. But no, Paul, this is delightful. I didn't know you knew so little about Transformers. I I mean, I remember watching the cartoon vaguely from the olden days, and I remember watching the film because everyone watched the film. 
And they're not the live action, the, the awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the actual film. Yeah. yeah. And then... You got the touch. <laughs> <laughs> that is the saddest, patheticest version of that song I've ever heard sung. That's like the MIDI version, Bricky. I was going for the MIDI version. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, and then throughout the years, I've seen like random shows like Beast Wars and mm-hmm. other things. But I'm not... I, I appreciate it as a concept. Like yeah. I had friends who had the toys and they were massive and great. Yeah. But I did not have the toys. We didn't have enough money. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't have the toys because I, as much as they're like cool to look at, I was like, I, I, it turned to a car. Cool. There's his <laughs> ten, his ten pages of instructions on how to fucking do it. Yeah. Name me a child who can actually fucking transform those toys who isn't bringing a nerd. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is wrong. Every kid that I ever knew growing up that had Transformers knew immediately how to transform them. It was always the adults that had trouble. <laughs> Every parent the world over of children with Transformers was like, what the fuck is this, this kibble that we have to change around? And the kid like, kick, it's prime, okay? Got um, it. I was, it's Starscream. You put the wings on, the plastic separate, like, plop, they're on. Tell I was it. in a supermarket yeah. the other day and there was like a couple of kids and they were like transforming the Transformers. Mm-hmm. And As you did. They were then, when they wanted to transform it back, they couldn't do it. So they just handed <laughs> it over to the mum and the mum just was like, click, 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 click. There you go. It's back into That mum was a Transformers fan yeah. originally. It's a lost art them. now. It's G1 fans that knew how to do it. Yeah, because the G1 toys, kids. the thing is, a lot of the newer toys are like, the ones that are aimed at kids and not collectors are actually a lot simpler. Whereas you look at the G1 toys, which were imported from Japanese toys and as a result, ridiculously fucking complicated. Cause there and was, they're just ridiculous. I just want to, like, after this podcast, I'm going to go find Ultra Magnus upstairs. I'm going to just point him in front of me. Do you have a G1? Figure that out. Yeah, I've got a G1 Ultra Magnus. Oh, uh, how have you is, not shown me this? Is that the one with the arms that click on a separate, like, white <laughs> rectangle? For, there's one which is, like, huge. It's, like, <laughs> fucking huge. And it was like, it had like six different tankers or something that had to connect into a body. And I was like... Oh, is that one I think you're of thinking Metroplex. Yeah, my yeah. Metroplex, one of the Titans. Oh, the Titan version. Metroplex is like a meat at all. Yeah, it was stupid. Um, I had the G1 version. G1 version was like... Oh, what, maybe that? it is that one. That's yeah. like... Uh, but it was really complicated. There's a meat at all version. It turns into like a base, doesn't yeah. it? It's a city. It's also a rolling fortress and a giant dude. <laughs> Which again, so he's a triple changer technically. But yeah. that's that's the thing where it's like, is that better to be a city than it is to be like the uh, the Titans car? are a whole part. The of Autobots the, need a base, mm. and the Decepticons got a base in the form of Terrypticon, who is just Robo Godzilla or yeah. Mega Godzilla, but not Mega Godzilla. But, but distinctly different <laughs> enough to avoid a copyright issue with Mechagodzilla. Oh my god, this is a series I have devoted time to, and then I explain it, and I'm just like, oh god. Well, no, I mean, it, it, it's fine. It's oh, just, it's, it's, it's just great. It's but... complicated. Like, there is a lot of stuff you have to if take. You, yeah, because it's a toy commercial stretched out into 30 minute if, bites that they had to make a story up for. Of course, you, it's fucking ridiculous. If you ever want to lose your life, the most amazing fan wiki on the internet is the Transformers fan wiki, which de- it documents everything. Go onto one of the pages sometime and just start reading. Read this. Oh uh, my god. Read the entry for the for Vector Sigma. That'll blow your <laughs> fucking mind. Okay. Well, I, I'll endeavor to read Someone that. put like Tolkien levels Please of effort into the backstory tweet, of Transformers. It's great. Live tweet your fucking experience learning Transformers continuity through the Transformers wiki. Please. Okay. I will devote some time this weekend. I'm going to find some specifically fucking ridiculous characters from this show. Just so you can read the wiki. Okay. Here, here you go. Here's a challenge for the next time we record a podcast. You you have to find both of you have to find who you think is the most ludicrous transformer. 
Yes, I love and this. You bring me, and I will make a judgment call on yes. how Bagsy G1 punch and counter punch. Damn it! Because <laughs> he makes no sense. He's a spider. Oh, no, no, it's okay. I've got some fucking. Idea. Tell you what, we'll do best of three. We'll each do random matchups. We'll each bring three to the table and okay. do random matchups. Okay, okay. this will be fun. <laughs> Because I, I I remember the with the dinosaurs, but oh, Dinobots, yeah, the Dinobots aren't from Cybertron; they're from Earth. Uh, in G one, not in IDW. Ah, uh, G one is the only the only source of truth. <laughs> but then Dinobots aren't the same as Dinobot from Beast Wars. <laughs> yeah, like, who is not the same as Megatron in Beast Wars? Who is a dinosaur? <laughs> he's a T Rex in that one. <laughs> a who is not the same Megatron as the original Megatron? Except in the original toy commercials, where he was also an alligator. Yeah, but toy commercials get really weird. And Optimus Primal is not Optimus Primal. See, this is the problem because because He Man was always just He Man. I understood yes. that. No, he wasn't. Sometimes he was Prince Adam. Yeah, he was still He Man. He transformed as well. The worst disguise of all time, except for that time when Megatron was like, "I will be a T Rex and blend in." Also, I'll be purple, like Barney the Dinosaur. Yeah, and then yeah. I will brush its teeth. <laughs> That's how you blend in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dance. Okay. oh, I need to get some clips of Beast Wars and overdub it with Barney now. Please. <laughs> oh. So, to bring this back around to our very tenuous original subject, go buy the new IDW Transformers comic, because it, 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 good comic, it, good comic. It, good comic. It's also currently running, so my personal recommendation for anyone that wants to get into that stuff that isn't the G1 things is... Um, the storyline, I'm sure it's in graphic novel format and I collected, but uh, you want to get the um, the storyline for The Fallen. Because mm. that that had me hyped for the second Transformers movie live action when they called it, like, oh, Revenge of the Fallen. It's like, oh shit, we're doing comic book stuff now. And we, then, we didn't do comic book stuff in that Unfortunately, and then unfortunately, Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. The Fallen in the comics is kind of like oh. uh, the Grim Reaper from actual hell, but he's a tank. Yeah, so which amazing. Which makes him kind of more fucking cool. Oh, that reminds me, oh, though. Mex listens to this podcast. He's a huge Transformers fan. He went to TFCon and got me a signed Waspinator poster from Scott McNeil. Nice. If he hears this, he's going to be like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Oh, Mex, please send us in like your favourite ridiculous Transformer. Oh, but <laughs> oh, this is... Anyone who wants to send Anyone do it, please. yeah. yeah I need things up. to talk about. But one thing that I will briefly say is they've started talking about the sequel to Bumblebee, which is apparently happening. Except... Is it called Optimus? No, they said that they aren't going to do it. Why? They're going to do it as a buddy cop thing with both of them. Oh, I'm alright with that. Yeah, but one thing that they did say is, oh, we're going to bring some more Michael Bay influence into it. And I'm just like, you know that this was well-reviewed because you didn't do that, right? They're like, oh, we're going to bring some more Bayhem in. And I'm just like, see, you're going to take inspiration from the most widely loathed fucking director working in Hollywood right now. He does make a lot of money. He does make a lot of money. But... He's wrong. But, but they're bad. Money. And Bumblebee was good. And the thing is, Bumblebee made less money, but it was also way fucking cheaper to make. So they made the same kind of profit. But but, but Michael Bay money. Michael, Michael Bay money blow up thing. Money. But it, he... You make more money, but it costs more to make. And also nobody wants to fucking work with you anymore because he treats his actors like shit. I am with the majority when it comes to disliking Michael Bay. I'm in the minority apparently now these days, oh, these millennials, when I say, I don't much care for Bumblebee as a character. Oh. I think he's kind of shit. I like him in the movie Bumblebee. <laughs> you know who I like more than Bumblebee? 
Cliff Jumper. I do like Cliff Jumper. And what the fuck happened to Cliff Jumper? Well, Did he jump off a cliff? <laughs> he just always fucking dies. He's in the Bumblebee movie for about five seconds on the moon, and then he gets cut in half with a robot sword. I was like, Cliff Jumper, no. Priggy, try having your favourite Transformer be IDW fucking tailgate or something. I've been waiting for Ultra Magnus in the movie the entire time. Oh, I would definitely watch yeah. that. He's Optimus Prime, but beefier. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Man, if you... Priggy, you know I'm just going to keep mentioning this but if you like Ultra Magnus you should breathe more than meets the eye I imagine so <laughs> he's a yeah. major character in it and where's Hot Rod literally Rodimus is in more than meets ah, the eye as well Rodimus <laughs> because you can't copyright Hot Rod <laughs> yeah literally not anymore he was called Hotshot for a while in some versions because those are different characters copyright Hotshot he was meant to be the stand-in for I know. Because but he's... copywriting names. But also, I mean, the funniest thing is, like, Optimus's name is actual Latin. And then they were like, well, we need to make a Hot Rod's new name sound like Optimus. We'll just do Rodimus, which they thought was fake Latin. But it is actually Latin. It just sort of means, like, not I think, as liar. <laughs> I think it, it means just, not as popular. I think it just means liar or something. Ooh. Like, accidentally, they did actual Latin. Optimus Prime literally means number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, like, Alita One, which also means number one. Yeah. Which was just, like... Yeah, number one. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I like the robots that go... Uh, they're good. By comics. Yes. Speaking of robots. <laughs> oh, yeah, speaking of robots. <laughs> that was your segue. You missed it. Uh, no, no, you got me thinking about toys. <laughs> Because, you know, the best non-G1 Transformers toy is Overload from the Energon era of toys. Because it's the only one where you push a little Minicon in and it actually has the cook 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 sound built into it. Mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> click, click, click. <laughs> I wore the battery out of that in like a week. <laughs> You're very easily amused. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> anyway, speaking of robot. Stop being a whiny pussy and fucking bounce it. Okay, we've gone, we've gone from robots to robots. Uh, this is already my favourite episode. I'm sure some people don't like it. <laughs> the, the non-robot people. Who are the non-robot people who listen I to this podcast? No idea. I'm sure we'll get emails where I'm not listening anymore. Too many robots in the last one. <laughs> that would suggest that people were listening in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is, uh, if you are not a robot fucker, then don't fuck with us. So, well, I perfectly bought more time to load up my phone for this. <laughs> yeah, Briggy is basically just like, shit, shit, I didn't see that segue coming, because yep. we need an episode I list. thought it was going to be way more about uh, Transformers in there. So, okay, we have been watching um, what uh, my friend Ashley has uh, perfectly described as um, Muff Dick and Robots. Uh... Yeah. But Love, Death and Robots on uh, Netflix, <laughs> the sci-fi anthology as made by... Um... Wait, you didn't show me the ones with dick in it? No, you only got to watch three. Okay, well, why did you not make them three of the ones with dick in it? Because they're not the best episodes, there's just dick in it. Yes, but you're talking to me, Brick. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, if anyone that's <laughs> strange enough not heard of Love, Death and Robots at this point, being like the biggest thing Netflix has put out thus far in 2019... I want to argue that. I'm pretty sure it's oh. the big one so far this year. Uh, Russian Doll. Yeah, well... Nah, no, still, I don't think it's that big. I think it's going to be the biggest thing until Stranger Things 3 hits. Uh, I don't know, because this is the thing, is when we first decided to discuss this, I hadn't heard... Like, really? ...any build-up for this. 
Oh. It was just like Netflix suddenly turned around and went, this is a new thing you might like. And I'm this like, might be Google knowing me too well. Because all I've had uh, is a pop-up notification about, have you seen I, this yet? I did see a lot of talk about it. Not so much before it dropped, but when it dropped. Oh, yeah, when oh, it yeah. dropped. Like, That's huge. the thing, though. Is when it dropped, it was like, shit, this is amazing. What is this? And I feel like, like Stranger Things had the same thing, though. Like, no one... The Strange, first, the first Russian Doll yeah. had that. Yeah. Russian Doll. It's often the case for Netflix originals that, that they actually produce... Anyways, it, like, obviously, it's it's a uh, that's whose name I was looking for because I remembered it right before the post started recording. But it's David Fincher, mm-hmm. who's responsible for this series. Yeah, overall, who's he again? I'm bad at things. <laughs> uh, it says me no remember. There's one thing on here. I'm trying to find out what else he did. I remember most because it's uh, it's it's Tim Miller and David Fincher who originally did Heavy Metal. Uh, so, Fincher likes his um, anthology stuff. He's also the guy that did the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Ah, uh, that would explain why everything looks pretty. <laughs> I'm sure anyone that can just go to Wikipedia if I am more about David Fincher. He's a cool guy. He doesn't afraid of anything. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, there's a lot of people involved in this, and we'll go over people individually mm-hmm. as and when we talk about stuff. But this is a science fiction anthology. It's made up of short stories. There are two fantasy ones in this as well, which are quite cool. That I quite liked the Soul Sucker one and the oh, Se- yeah. the Secret War. Yes, we can say that to be a fantasy one. Though it might be a third fantasy that I've forgotten. Either way, there's a few fantasy ones like. Oh, yeah, and the dog soldiers thing. That's definitely fantasy as well, in my yes, opinion. Yes, yes, yes. So There's like three fantasy ones and the rest of science fiction. And The fantasy ones are death. Mm. <laughs> and despite the fact it's called Love, Death and Robots, not everything contains a robot, but there's some that do contain robots, and they are great. So, uh, I also, figured... there's at least one that has a really gratuitous and extended sex scene that reminded me of cringing at Mass Effect. There is, there's a few of those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it like... felt like poser porn. Like, it's... you know, that yeah. fucking weird shit. It that was... one wasn't even the worst. And also, it's just, it's just in the, we'll talk about the episodes and I want to be very clear. I enjoyed the three episodes that I saw literally just before this podcast because, uh, I haven't had internet over the weekend. So I had to come around to Briggies. But, like, that particular sex scene was so blatantly a writer who was really excited at the idea he was allowed to do a sex scene. And also has never seen, he's just like, oh my god, I can put titties in this? I can just put a titty in this? I think some of that might be a toss-up between the animation studios versus the authors. Yeah, absolutely. As I pointed out to, to these two The before, direction. I'm thinking more the direction. Yeah, before we got into the podcast, um, this uh, entire anthology is, apart from two episodes, I think, if I double-check, there's one... There's two. Okay, so there are only two episodes that were not originally written by somebody else that mm-hmm. wasn't involved. So, um, but, so 16 out of these 18 episodes are actual short stories that have been adapted for the anthology that are written by other well-known sci-fi, science fiction authors. One of which being John Scalzi, who I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of. Same. Yeah, and he's he's doing well on Netflix because they're about to do an adaptation of Old Man's War for Netflix. I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, they cool. are. So more Scalzi on. Yeah, do do Lock In next as well. Lock In would Ooh, be great. Yes. I would watch the no, do Red Shirts. And Reg, that'd be awesome. So, Definitely watch that. At least two of us at the table, big fan of John Scalzi and his work. He did three episodes in this anthology. And I think, while they're not my overall top three, at least one of them sits in my top three, which would be Three Robots, which, which is, is one, one that James I has saw. actually seen. And that was also very much, of the three that I've seen, and that's a very small sample size, but that was the one that really stood out to me. I really enjoyed that. And you can tell Scalzi wrote it. It's just very sharp and witty and fun which is definitely like his other two yeah have that vibe to them well that's just his writing i mean he's so just really sharp and really sincere as well 
It's very funny, but it's also like got a lot of heart to it, that one. Oh, yeah. That is the, the Three Robots one. And for anyone that's not seen the series yet, if you've seen anything to do with Love, Death and Robots being posted online, the usual screen cap that accompanies any news story to do with that is, in fact, those three robots from mm-hmm. the three robots. So uh, I, I had seen that. It's like there are three very different style of robots in 3D animation. One of them is like the obelisk howl kind of type, mm. and she's great, and she takes pictures all the time. One of them is kind of like the typical sort of iRobot, Android, white, Apple kind of thing. And then one of them is like the little cutie orange robot that looks like a little toy. And they're basically just wandering around doing a sightseeing tour of a post-apocalyptic human city. And like, it's not got a plot. It's like a slice of life piece. And it's really funny and really good. I've seen reviews that compare those episodes, specifically the Klaus episodes, to being Douglas Adams-esque. Mm. Whereas I feel that's a little bit undercutting the genius that is John Scalzi. I think at this point, he should be considered just as good as Adams at this point. I know it's a long way to go for a lot of people, but for me, I think he is p- perfectly positioned to be like the modern I can, Douglas Adams in a I lot can, of ways. I can see the genealogy, though. I mean, you can tell that Scalzi is somebody who has read and appreciated a yeah. great deal of the work Adams did. But it is silly, funny sci-fi, but a lot of the times his science fiction also has a point behind it. Yeah. So he can do both. He's very sharp. Great. Yeah. He's, he doesn't have he's... to do the full in like hard sci-fi where like, oh man, humanity's bad and think about consequences and science fiction. But he can also go like, and this is hilarious. Enjoy these references to Batman. Here's this stupid thing. Oh, I'll get Will Wheaton through my audiobooks. Yes, that here's the book yeah. Red Shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, where the entire story is that they realise that they're actually in an episode of Star Trek. The universe is Star Trek. And that they are Red Shirts. And that they should avoid being near anyone in command ever because they'll die. Yeah. <laughs> because they're expendable crew it's members. A, well, it's very I will funny. absolutely say, it, it sounds like a hacky idea that's funny for a short story but won't work for a novel. Scarzi is a good enough writer that he makes it work for a novel, which is very impressive. Oh, God, yeah. His stuff's great. And he does two more episodes in this anthology, one of which is uh, When the Yogurt Took Over. Mm. Which, which is a short story of his. Yeah, and also, what was the last one that he did? What was it actually called? Um, Alternate Histories. Oh, which yes. Which is the multiversity mm-hmm. one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, both of those are done in a completely different art style to the first one, but they're very similar, that second two shows, because they're yeah. Yeah, very um, cutesy animation, like rounded edges and stuff. It reminds yeah. me like of a low-res version of like the Up sort of art style. Yeah. Simplistic style to it. Yeah, I can see what you're going Which works with, yeah. for like what he's trying to get across in those stories because they are meant to be like, here's a little fun like six minute thing. Enjoy this in your eyes. Whereas the others can be a little heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And a little uncanny valley for some of them. You're talking specifically about the one you saw which would be um, Beyond the Wait, Killer yeah. Rift. I, which, I, is I, a, which is an Alistair Reynolds short story who's the guy that wrote Revenger yes. and a bunch of other stuff that yes. people look at me. I, so I like some of his work. That honest. was my least favourite of the three. There were parts of it that I enjoyed. This is the one with That's the weird... That's in my top three. <laughs> That's absolutely fair and I can totally see why. There were a couple of reasons. One is genuinely that the gratuitous sex scene with the heavy metal over it was just really jarring. But I think that adds... Just something extra to the ending. A certain amount of sense, but at the same time, and I absolutely, now that you've brought it up, I absolutely do feel it's an issue with whoever directed the animation on the episode. It is very gratuitous, and it goes on for a really unnecessarily long time. The thing that I thought was odd about it is, because there's another one, there's another couple of them. There's a lot of them. I think I might have been desensitised everything by the time I got to that episode. I want to be very clear. I have no issue with sex. But I feel like, first of all, it was badly executed in terms of being a sex scene. It was not sexy, and it clearly wanted to be sexy. Well, this is the other thing that I was uh, I, I get confused about, is because obviously it's animated, and animated sex is a weird thing anyway, because in the mainstream it's not something that we're used to having. But 
The other thing that's strange about it is, is it's uncanny valley sex. Very. Where it's like, those could just be people having sex. And it would still be awkward as fuck because mm-hmm. the the movements and everything the was bit, like... The bit where they very carefully frame her over his shoulder so that you can just see a boob is just like so like... They were really desperate to be like, look, we can show titties, it's Netflix. But, but it was like, there's, there's a bit where Sorry. like... They have like the whole champagne and pouring. Oh my stuff. god! And it's like that's some amazing like liquid animation. It effects. is, but they're using it on really bad sex scenes. No, but I th- this is. I mean, there's a lot of like gratuitous sex and nudity yeah. throughout this entire show. I do want to be clear. But that my- specific episode, like, I think that entire sex scene adds to the overall story. Once you get to the end of that story, I, oh yeah, I can see I what they were going. Clear. Yeah, yeah, because my- it now makes me significantly more uncomfortable on the second viewing, knowing where that story goes. The thing is, I have no issue with there being a sex scene there. I have issue with the fact that it was a very bad sex scene and it would be way more disturbing on the second watch if it was a good sex scene. My issue is 100%. I just thought it was a bad sex scene. I guess I just don't know what a good sex scene is. Well, Not that. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. should not look like a Mass Effect 3. <laughs> I think thought that was part of the charm of it, to be honest. Like, hey, I was like, we, when we were watching it last night, we were like, hey, this is Mass Effect. This is great. That's not a good thing. Mass Effect sex it's scenes like Star It means Mass Effect. I'm down with this. I think but, a part of it is it's very clear that there is only one party that the directors thought you'd be looking at in that sex scene. It's uh, the one whose titty is inexplicably over his shoulder. Yeah. I'm, I'm, okay, so going back to the Uncanny Valley thing, I have a... Th- not a theory, but there is a thing that I noticed throughout the animation where all of the female character models seemed incredibly higher detail than the male ones. Because there are shots where I've seen the men and they do a close-up of the face and I'm like, that's obviously an animation. I can see that's an animation. Mm-hmm. And there are certain shots of the women where I'm like, that just looks like a woman. Like an actual, you just stood a woman there and filmed her. Actually, and, now uh, that you've said it, I wasn't thinking of it in those terms. I did think that the female characters in that one I saw that has this hyper-realistic style. For those listening at home, because we didn't clarify, some of these are done in the most hyper-realistic style yeah. you can imagine. I mean, really. Yeah, I It's think technically impressive, but it is very Uncanny Valley. Sunny's Edge, The but, Witness. Yeah, um, I mean, um, now that you've said it, I did consciously rift. think during that one... Shapeshifters? ...that the women did... Because there's two female characters in it, and they're, they're both fairly different-looking women, but they do look much more realistic. You know what I think it is? Their faces feel more realistically proportioned. Yeah. The men in that, and especially the main dude, who is like an older dude, his eyes are the wrong size. They're too big for his face. It's it we've, was we've had a discussion along these lines before, maybe on a previous podcast, maybe just us hanging out and chatting during a D and D game. But I I have none of the issues apparently that every single other person in the world that isn't me has with a lot of this sort of animation and uncanny valley. I don't notice it anymore. Maybe this is because I spend more time in digital realities than the real world these days. But that is now becoming the novel. I know it's no problems whatsoever. Everything looked as real as it needed to look on all the episodes, not oh, just that it's, one. It's, but it's not that it's like, it's not that it's... But I mean, nothing was ever jarring. No, if, that's if anything, what I mean. I yeah. saw it, I was like, this looks gorgeous. I love how good this looks. And then See, never that really was, thought it was incredibly it. jarring for me. See, I, I didn't find it jarring as in I couldn't like enjoy the story of it. I did find it jarring in that I could notice a 
different in quality. I think one thing I will say is that as somebody who is like a huge animation nerd, when I watch something that is animated, mm. I pay a lot of attention to the small details of the animation. This is why I was insufferable to watch Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I pay think you might a ruin lot. it for yourself that way. <laughs> I pay well, this is the thing. I pay a lot of attention to it because it's an art form that I really love. And I love to mm. see the little tiny details that really make animation come together and for example um i really enjoyed a lot of the in the three robots one the one that we were talking about a lot of the character animation in that in terms of how the different body types of robots are animated in movement like that's great they really nailed that even like Mm. there's one that's an obelisk with a couple of segmented parts and she has like really strong body language and like that's difficult to do Mm. so i really enjoy paying attention to that stuff the thing that really got me even more than the fact that the dude's face was slightly off in the hyper-realistic one um, was very much the animation wasn't quite there. You can tell it's mo-capped, or I assume that at least some mm. of it was based off of mo-cap. There is a bit where she's holding a cigarette, and I'm like, yeah, that's mo-cap, because there's no yeah. way that that physically-wise you'd have gone, if you're making a conscious decision to animate it in such... You wouldn't have done it that you way. You wouldn't have done it that way. The other thing is... They haven't quite got the, I almost want to say physics down. It's slightly, very slightly, like when you notice a very slight latency on a video game control, floaty. Mm. Things don't quite connect properly. And it really, that actually gets to me more than like Uncanny Valley on the face. Like when they touch each other, it doesn't, and this is, I think, why a hyper-realistic sex scene like that is just never going to work to stop with the jokes and everything about the titties or the... Uh, frankly that's basically where my humor goes but um it, it doesn't quite work because it never quite feels like they're physically like two objects that are actually properly connecting mm-hmm. with each other it works okay for some of the stuff where they're touching each other more slowly but when there's a situation where there's like people slamming into each other or pushing each other back or anything like that it doesn't quite connect and it's very unsettling oh, i feel sorry for you guys oh no it, it, again it's well for me personally it's not something that stops me from enjoying it it's just something that i notice when it's uh, i mean i think i'm having a better time of it because i don't even notice it uh, but i'm the kind of like people tell me all the time i'm slightly off topic but it's still related in terms of like the way we look at like view these things a lot of people tell me that i should be aiming for much higher fps on pc games and i'm one of those guys that can quite happily sit and play a game in 30 fps and then play it in 60 fps and almost notice zero difference between the two. My eyes are bad. <laughs> I view things badly. So we've already passed the pinnacle of technology for me to be like, still looks good. Whereas so I watch it like that, I'm like, looks fucking brilliant. Spot whereas on. I'm not an FPS like counter like a lot of people, but there is a huge difference for me playing a game at 30 and 60. At mm. least for certain types of games. Like I would never play Overwatch at 30 FPS mm. if I could help so, it. Like when you say those things about the show, uh, there's a moment last night, because there's only one live action episode of Love, Death and Robots. It's the Ice Age episode, which is great. Fucking love that episode. It's funny as hell. It's got Topher Grace and her name escapes me, but the woman that played Ramona Flowers in Scott Pilgrim. Oh, I know who you mean. One. Uh, name uh, escapes me too. Really good. Secret War, the le- very last episode, um, which is <laughs> not a great episode, but I think at that point, me and Ashley were so tired that we were making, you know, Russian jokes over the top of it. <laughs> just because the accents, just, we were like, what, did we just hear that? So it was kind of fun, because uh, it's very uh, occult and Cthulhu-esque stuff going on. Uh, there's a moment at the start of that episode, a couple of seconds in, when you first see, like, the soldiers coming through the woods and, like, look about, and for a second, like, I turned to Ashley and went, have we got another live-action one? We still, we had to look at it for a minute and go, 
oh, no, 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 this is animated. But for a while, they were like, can't quite tell. I'm like, yep, I like that sort of stuff. And I'm sure other people were like, no, immediately. No, it's definitely not real. But... I'm interested to see how I respond to that one then, because it is something where it's like, I, I've i never been tricked by hyper-realistic animation. Within a couple of seconds, I've always been able to be like, oh, no, that's animated. There's two where I found it confusing as to whether or not it was live action or not. There's the uh, helping hand, I'm guessing. Which is the... The astronaut one in space. No, no, that was fairly yeah. obvious. I thought you said it to me at one point. No, you thought it was live action. No, it's the space... The, not the spaceship, but the the 13 one. Oh, Lucky 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucky 13, which has um, the woman from Orange is the New Black and... There's oh, a lot of women in Orange is the New and Black. I was going to qualify. I was going to qualify. It's about women. I was going to qualify. And um, Ryan Seacrest has solves crime on television. Oh, ah. he, he Ryan Seacrest is literally just an animated character yeah. anyway. Yeah. No, is it Ryan Seacrest? No, probably not. What is his name? I mean, do you want to know, know why that one looks like? Why Lucky Thirteen looks so good compared to all the others? Why? It's the only one on the list made by Sony Pictures Imageworks. Ah. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, they are good. They have that thing. Yeah, they, where, they're the ones that did yeah. Spider Verse, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they are um, great, and it's got um, in that her her representation animated. That, was, by the way, is Star Citizen, the short story. As far as I'm yeah. concerned, I love uh, Lucky Thirteen. Yeah, Lucky but, Thirteen was so good. But it's it's like that's just her, isn't it? And then there are bits where it's like, no, that's an animated version. And it's like, but isn't that just a film version of her? And it's like, <laughs> no, that's still an animated version. But it's of like her. when you put a famous person into a video game. Sometimes it oh, works, sometimes, yes. it sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. When they did it with Rami Malek in that fucking Tara game, what's it fucking called? Oh. The one where everybody just fucking dies all the time. I was thinking Mark Hamill in Star Citizen. No. no Rami Malek was in, me. before he won the fucking Oscar or whatever. Oh, what was that called? Oh, I can't remember because it was a really generic name. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really generic horror game, but it, name rather for the game. But it's the one where it's like all the photorealistic people, and it was all mocapped, and they somehow got Rami Malek. <laughs> it's, it's literally it's it's a horror game where you have to like survive a horror scenario. Yeah. So you've named every survival horror game in the. It's last a five choose years. your it's a choose your own that adventure thing. version of an AT slasher fit. That's the one. Don't know. No. Yeah, we don't know either. Um, After Dark? No, I played it. No. Something like that. I don't uh, play horror games all I'm Resident Evil, you know this. Yeah. Well, anyway, that he was... It's that sort of thing where it looks like a person. And, yeah. yeah. And but, it's worse when you recognise the person and they're not a generic person. And the other one was the the weird time paradox killing thing, whichever one that is. The, like, oh, The Witness. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's weird, because there's definitely bits in that where I was like, is that, that not live action? That is the episode that... I actually started watching this before me, and we watched it last night together to like finish up. She'd only gotten to episode three, which is The Witness. That was the episode that made her stop watching. Yeah. She did not care for that episode. So many other people on the internet have called that the best episode of the series. I think they're wrong. I think it's kind of played out, and it's a dull trope, and it's been done significantly better. Visually, it was done better by Mamoru Oshii and Ghost in the Shell. And storyline-wise, I think... You know, pick any sort of time loop, and you've got a better storyline there. But I think they mix the two and like, oh, Netflix is all arty and stuff. And it's episode three, like, it's. I'm that sorry, I'm sorry, people that really enjoyed it, but... it as well. Yeah, but there are oh, and Nolan North's in that, by the way. Yeah, of course he fucking is. He um, had to be somewhere. He's on line. He's the whatever the um, Vladimir. Yeah. yeah, he's on the. He's just lying down drunk. Nolan North is. Tom a... point. I was like, Nolan North is in that. I'm like, who the fuck is that? Nolan that? North is an eldritch horror that just spontaneously appears but, in animated things. But yeah, I can see what you mean though, because it looks really hyper realistic. That one, like you can't tell that's not actually 
real people. Yeah, they do a lot of clever camera trickery. So it, a lot it has of, like, like soft focus. Yeah, and it has else. like interim frames of manga and stuff in between yeah. it. Like as things happen, like, it swaps back and forth. It's a very pretentious episode. I think one thing. <laughs> I that... think a lot of this is pretentious, to be fair, but some of it lands better. Like specifically, Ooh. I'm a big fan. I mean, I was going to do a rundown at some one... point of the best mm-hmm. episodes. One thing that I do want to say is I. Of the episodes that we watched, I was really excited to see stuff that just had more stylized mm-hmm. animation. I like to see stuff where it's not like... Because the thing about making something hyper-realistic is that there's only ever going to be so much that you can distinguish yourself visually. There's a lot you can do with lighting, camera, editing, mm-hmm. but you are ultimately still going to be confined by certain characteristics of reality. Whereas I was really excited to see that there was stuff that was really heavily stylized. Like we were watching one of the episodes, the one that was um, animated by the people who did the gorillas animation. Uh, Zima, Zima Blue. That's the one, yeah. yeah. And I, I really like seeing stuff that's like experimental, unusual animation styles. Like I was really pleased to see that there was some animation there that was just going off in a totally different direction. Mm. So it wasn't kind of being like, look at how technically proficient we are and how gorgeously realistic it was. It was kind of like, well, if we make it less real, then we can use color and we can use like line to like communicate a certain mood more effectively and mm-hmm. also in that way distinguish ourselves better there's, i really liked that one i know you good, knew that i would <laughs> there's a lot of good animation back and forth throughout the entire anthology but for me the animation in and of itself just takes a back seat i don't they could all have been animated the exact same way i honestly don't care i'm here for the storylines if they'd animated the um was it Beyond the Aquila Rift, the one that I made you watch, the hyper-realistic mm-hmm. one that I, I really enjoyed that? If they'd done that in Sucker of Souls art style, which is like that slapdash yeah. manga, like, knocked together, like, fast-paced animation style that's all 2D, if that had been the same animation style for Aquila Rift as that, I still would have found it to be one of the best episodes, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I love that. That storyline is absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal, Whereas, like, in my opinion. I would have liked it a lot more if that was the case. Oh, no, I, I'm, I'm here for story. I, listen, I am an animation nerd. It's not I that I don't care about it. It's just I think animation should exist in service to the story. Yeah. And I just think that the style of animation that's used can often be... And, like, for again, example... Um, Shapeshifters would, is done in that hyper-realistic style. Um, but me, I don't much care for that story as much. So it looks as good, me, I think, as Aquila Rift. But it, it just sort of forced out to me. I'm not a fan of that story. The last one that we watched... Would you have enjoyed that one as much if it didn't look like a 90s, an homage to like 90s Nickelodeon cartoons? Oh, what? Blind Spot? Yeah, I totally would have liked it just as much. But I, it I wouldn't, it. you wouldn't recognize it as obviously as being an homage to. Yeah, that but that stuff. style for that episode is not on the nose of being exactly the same. As but the it's recognized. See, this is the thing. I they enjoyed could have that. Any of the art they could have done it in the hyper realistic style. No. I still think. In fact, I might have enjoyed it slightly more hyper realistic. I would just because it'd be ridiculous. I would have hated it because I wouldn't <laughs> have been connecting it to what it's a reference to, and so I wouldn't have had that kind of nostalgic rush of oh, this is like this is a kind of affectionate tribute to that style of cartoon it really <laughs> and i really liked that one as well i thought so one of the episodes I mean, I agree to disagree, but i don't Bl- i would never have like linked blind spot I, nothing would stop me from linking blind spot to it's like nickelodeon style origins in whatever animation style it was in it could have been it could you could have picked any of the other animation styles off the list of what happens in love death and robots 
and I still would have known it for what it is. So, it's, it's that stupid storyline, and it's like the music and everything about it. It's the whole package. So it's not just the art. For style. context for people at home, because I realise we didn't explain what Blind Spot is. One of the episodes, which is one of the shorter episodes, if I'm correct. Well, at least I've mentioned is, the episode names. Is, people looking on Wikipedia and Netflix will know specifically. Oh, that's Blind Spot. That's the episode name. Stop. Yeah. So there's an episode where it's basically just one long, ridiculous action sequence that's a sort of very well animated, cartoony homage to old school, stupid, toyetic kind of mm. animated series where it's like everybody's driving a fucking souped up muscle car and they're just trying to fucking blow up like a lorry and there's a giant mecha at one point and it's very, I highly recommend watching this one if you watch any of them just because it's very short and it's very fun and I think it's very accessible and I can't really explain it just in words but if you grew up watching that kind of Saturday morning cartoon like yeah. you recognise it and the animation in that is just really good like one thing I noticed during that one is that the storyboarding and the editing mm-hmm. like not technical proficiency in animation stuff but the editing is just fucking phenomenal it's really and like there's basically next to no plot in that one like it's a fun action sequence for like eight minutes yeah um it, it's good and i we were saying we would watch a fucking cartoon series of it it's a really good character study yes it absolutely is it manages to like establish the characters in a really brief amount of time it's seriously i would totally totally watch that cartoon series but it's the kind of thing where they'd never get a full episode commission just right off the bat mm. but because it's a kind of shorter thing they get to experiment a bit more with the animation and it's really fun ironically just having thought about it being that sort of character driven thing there is a sort of a very much a, an approach from some of the animations where they are very character based like the three robots mm-hmm. where you are invested in the characters and then their embodiments. And then there are the ones where the story expanse mm-hmm. is like a larger thing. And there are, there are a couple of them where like the Xena blue is very much a character driven sort of idea mm-hmm. where the, the, the journey that you go through the story isn't really a journey. It's literally just a biography of a, a dude. And then there's like the a, plot is that you learn more about the character. I think the majority yeah. of them, if not almost all of them, bar one or two sp- really odd ones are all character driven pieces yeah um but in terms of like for example the the space one what's the one with the the one we've been talking about the Uh, beyond the aquila yeah yeah Yeah. those are quite like you get a character idea they are conceptual but but you don't get to know about that character yes i i agree that one is more it's interested it it does have a certain amount of character focus but in as much as that the character's represent the overall concept the characters in that you're not invested in them emotionally because of their deep internal lives but because they represent a part of the concept that the story is driving at yeah because uh, the one which is the witness that is literally all just i say story uh, it's it's all just the the actual plot of the or the narrative is literally just what happens the witness know? is a trope stretched out to about yeah. 15 minutes <laughs> yeah um and Which I'm I'm sorry to whoever oh that was that was written by one of the producers of the entire show so I do dislike when people are like it's a short story so I can just do a trope right yeah, <laughs> yeah no that's, that's like what, no that's not how good short stories that, the witness is one of the two that isn't actually based on a short story that already existed it was mm. made for Netflix. And the which is why it feels so out there compared to everything else because it just doesn't fit I don't think alongside the others. Well, I was going to say because in terms of the other ones where. Again, you're given more like story rather than you are given specific characters. Um, the first episode, 
um, which is the, the Sunny's f- Edge. Yeah, the f- yeah, the one written by uh, Peter F. Hamilton. Yeah, who's yeah. fucking awesome, by the way. Another one of my favorite sci-fi authors. I've got several of his books. Is one of them by Hamilton? Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first episode is Sunny's Edge, and it is killer with the animation. The animation and killer is with the with really the storyline. Like, you didn't show me the one that Hamilton wrote. <laughs> no, we just didn't, I didn't want to have to get okay. down to it in terms of like I had to show you a cross section. Fair, fair. Also, in you terms... should have just watched the show, James. I ran out of internet. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's it's in terms of that it is a is hyper realistic. With fantasy character, like fantastical characters in, mm-hmm. which is that thing where it's like the fantastical characters are amazing looking, and then they show some people yeah. in the crowd, and you're like, just go show the things, don't show the people. You the people say that, but like, it. I don't know, maybe Valve has trained me in the way that these <laughs> things happen. It's like my eyes stay where they're meant to stay because that's where they're drawn. I don't spend a lot of time looking at the things you're not meant to look at. That's why the lower details and less like impressive because you do that thing where your eye darts the things you shouldn't be looking at. <laughs> Well, the thing's happening over here. You're like, oh, what's that NPC doing over there? It's like, no, 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 no. It's low, low poly. He's there for the, the peripheral. Yeah. Stay away from him. Look at the giant monster thing that's See, fighting in the arena. That's the important bit. This is also where I think that the fact that we now live in a world where everybody, everything has to be in fucking 4K works against us. Mm. I bet you it would be less Uncanny Valley if we were watching it in a slightly lower resolution and not on a huge fucking TV. But yeah, in terms... Maybe, maybe my problem is not that I don't notice this stuff. It's that I'm already trained to look where I'm meant to be looking. I, I'm trusting the director and whoever's producing it. Like, this is where your eyes should be. This is where the focus should be. I'm like, it's where they are. And you guys are like, what's happening on the edges? <laughs> I will say, I don't do that as much as, as Paul sounds like he does. I mostly do tend to focus. I don't, I don't mean yeah. to, but they did that thing where it's like all the background I think all a the good background director prevents it. Well, all the background characters, they've obviously spent time designing them so they have been but designed. not rendering them but not even the rendering the rendering well it's just when you've when you've created a creature that's like so fantastical and looks so amazing and then you've got like you a mean dude. the scottish hologram right <laughs> he's fucking killer <laughs> i'm like why is he so calm and then he disintegrates from being a hologram like that's why he's calm he's not really that yeah but... <laughs> you're gonna say he's not really scottish <laughs> oh he sounded scottish oh he might not be i mean scott's racism um <laughs> I played that while we were watching. But um, yeah, in terms of the, the the characters, the creatures, they're like brilliantly like designed and mm-hmm. everything. And they do they do shots where they're like showing reactions to things and people <laughs> reacting to stuff. And you're like, that dude who's a little bit overweight and has like a mohawk. What's he? His deal? Uh, why? Why is he there? And then there's the, there's one rich white old dude who's oh, yeah. like, oh, I'm Mister Evil Man. <laughs> oh, look at me being so evil. And you're like, oh, because cool. it's all about rape and the patriarchy. Point. That's the entire point of the episode with kaiju fights in the middle of it. So yeah, yeah. But but that, also the problem was is is it if, like the fight scene bit mm-hmm. is really good. So fucking cool. And then the story around it. It's really not kind the bit I enjoyed. <laughs> That's why I didn't show you that one. Like, I showed you some ones. Okay. Like, I'm sorry, but I mean, it is great, but it's it's definitely not Hamilton's best work. No. It's, but, it does, but the fight scene I, is I, awesome. I don't know the plot of this one. A bunch of words were just said that are okay. really confusing. So there's an underground fighting league for giant monsters. Who, okay. In England, where everyone's cockney. Yes. Uh, okay. I made the joke, welcome to post-Brexit Britain. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, but, this looks like it. But be there's fun. an evil dude who's all like, oh, you should throw the fight. And the, he has a... Which makes way more sense when you've got to the end of the episode as to why they, she wouldn't throw a fight. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's the story. Really cool. Yeah, yeah he's explaining the story, Brig. You let no, Paul no, finish. No, 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 he's not no, explaining no, the story because not spoil literally, it. That's literally the story. Yeah. That's that's the... Yeah. You, you spoil it yourself. No, 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 no. no you, like, <laughs> anyone with any logic has where, just gone, 
point A and then taking your point B, like oh. and going, oh yeah, that's why. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I, I genuinely don't think James has got this at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. okay. Tell you what, okay, that's cool. explain like, it. Anyone watching it was like five or six things that happened in between point A and point B that will throw you back and forth. Hamilton's good at doing that. I was like, oh, I think it's gonna be this. Oh no, I think it's gonna be this. I didn't I'm really oh, concerned. Yeah. <laughs> I knew there was gonna be a twist. I just didn't know that what point. Somebody just happened. fucking. Didn't, but with it being first episode, I went into it not knowing what to expect to get out of these episodes. So while that was a possibility, that wasn't the first thing I jumped to. I've watched so many like transhumanist stories and cyberpunk that I'm like, this could go anyway. Is there a different cyberpunk story being told here? And we go, bang, here's your like reveal in the next episode. The, the worst part about it is, is if they had built up any of the rest of the characters, like mm-hmm. any of them, the Scottish dude gets more build up than any of the rest of our fucking entourage. The Scottish dude them. is just the ring announcer yeah. in the middle. And literally, he turns up for five seconds and he gets more of a character And they're build. putting monsters in the arena with him as he's doing the announcer. Like, he's way too fucking calm. And then, yeah. he's in that has a hologram. Like, that's why he's too calm. Yeah. He's not but, really there. But all of that build-up there, um, essentially, is like, oh, look, there's This has done nothing grid. but give me more questions. I'm going to have to watch this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, 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 as I say, the actual fight scenes alone, if you took everything out the story wise, mm-hmm. the fight scenes alone are just beautiful. They're mm-hmm. really fucking well done. Do you like a good kaiju fight? I scene? do have to wonder if he's got like a fake sword in every limb <laughs> or if he knew that she was going to rip off that particular limb. <laughs> well, that was the best part is, is, is the that was my only line. thought. I was like, the best part is the throwaway line because as I say, the other characters who are her entourage who don't even give a shit about her, <laughs> um, do a thing where he's just like, I can't believe he did that with the, with the bone sword. And he's like, well, technically, as long as it's a, bi- a biological thing, it's not against the rules. And you're like, you can't be doing this level of like character it building. It was a biological sword. Yeah. It was a bone sword. Yeah. You can't do this level of character building after the fact when we should be caring about you. Yeah, you, you have to walk do it before. Away because they're not even on screen when they're having this conversation. Oh they're my God. fucking off screen. And the best part is, is I watched most of it because I was watching it like it's, doing other things. It's bad. With subtitles on. I really, so I could see what was happening. Uh, right. I really want to watch this just so that I can rip it to shreds directly because it sounds as though more than anything it has a director problem. I, I don't know. I don't know if you could fix the story and not be just so I, I don't think it was that bad I don't think it's a great story but that fight scene is so fucking good I enjoyed it way more than the dump oh yeah the dump's awful <laughs> okay let's so, okay, okay. so I'm gonna go over but my favourite episodes in the show and you can tell me whether or not you agree or disagree based on I mean, oh we're E3 in it cool we're E3 in it <laughs> so three robots without a yeah, doubt that's a good I mean even I will say that and yeah. I've only seen three I really enjoyed Suits which is and that is rednecks versus aliens? Oh, with the mechs. That now that's that. Okay, so that's fucking very, cool. Yeah, the art style in that mm-hmm. is incredible. Purely because uh, distinct from everything else, it looks like it was made in Fortnite. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah, it looks cool. And also that <laughs> that, that storyline up until the end reveal is totally Starcraft. Yeah, oh. it's got the Starcraft music to it. It's got alien insects that look a bit like the Zerg. It's oh, got, okay. it's got rednecks in mecha suits looking after a it's, farm. Yeah, it's like, great. Yeah. Like, that sounds cool. like a great idea. It was baller the yeah. entire way through that episode. I love that thing. That- and the reveal at the end. People have been saying like, "Oh, we shouldn't. This is glorifying this, that, and the other." Like, "Oh, it's you know, we shouldn't be these you know hot blooded Americans looking after farms and they're invading another planet." Like, yeah, <laughs> like, 
No, but it's still kind of fucking cool to watch, like, just alien insects getting hammered by mechs. Yeah, that's, like, A, I love that style of mech design. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's so lovely. Yeah, they're cool. Uh, it's the, the, the mech mean, warrior style mechs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, oh, yeah. It's, it's the whole sort of, like, oh, you t- you turret in the right way and everything. It's really nice. But B, the other thing that it does really well is it does that thing where it's, like, there's, there's like a whole character sort of relationship thing. It's like, you only get five seconds to know any of these people before. It's literally mm-hmm. action, 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 action. And you're like, you got a crazy old lady who doesn't care whether she dies. And Immediately like, want to watch this. This is great. She, she's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Ashley was a big fan. <laughs> I will probably have like a quote unquote hot take with regard to the politics behind it. But also I want to watch oh, yeah. it. Yeah, there's, I can there's... I can do both. I am a person yeah. of many sides. I can enjoy the hot-blooded mechs okay. and then have a sensible take on the politics. Right. Next great episode for me, immediately after Suits, was Sucker of souls uh, which is the vampire one with the three mercenaries that cannot stop swearing with have actually resurrected dracula oh shit okay so <laughs> it's this awesome is, this is it just castlevania the, well no. No. similarly in terms of like if you took castlevania as like a concept of okay it's not but it's, <laughs> so it's, it's not at all no but it's that thing where they have like the uh, the art style is really 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 nice like mm-hmm. Visually, it's like... Oh, but he's just like tuning out. <laughs> oh, no, I'm following this. I'm yeah. lo- um, and the, the way they tell the story, it does that thing where it's like, here's throwing you straight into the action, mm-hmm. and then it will just cut back to the actual story for a few seconds, and then it's like, and now you know what's going on, and back into the action. Time to fight. Yeah. I, that actually, I prefer the dialogue over the action. It I is, think the dialogue is fucking phenomenal. Wow, yeah. that is telling something. It is. Well, it's, it's fucking hilarious. They, 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 it's, I think, the most swearing in any episode. <laughs> Three mercenaries that are just like, you know, this is actual Dracula and we've got to escape and what the fuck is this shit going on? And there's new insults being thrown back and forth and just swearing of the best caliber. Yeah, it is. And then you find that the Dracula's afraid of cats. And, and everyone's he, cockney. Yeah. Again. And oh, he holds that? the cat like a machine gun at one point. I was like, this is a so, fucking genius episode. So is this series basically just a way to try and reintroduce the cockney accent into the fucking There's only dialect. two with the cockney accents. It might be three. It might be three. Uh, next good episode. Moving on. Sorry. Oh, what's the next episode? Just go through the episodes. Okay. Otherwise, I'm going to forget. Right, well, we've we skipped. Well, I think we've talked about everything up until that point. Yeah. So after that is when the yogurt took over. That's a good. Which episode. is funny. Yeah. I mean, we can't. I don't even want to ruin that for people. Go watch because it's like six minutes. One of the shortest ones in the yeah. entire anthology. And I mean, it's Scalzi. It's, it's John Scalzi. I haven't seen the episode, but it's an absolutely hilarious story, and the animation style to it really goes well with it. Oh, and, and it's and, an and adaptation. The is you funny. Know. Yeah, it's great. It's an it's an adaptation of an actual story. Almost all of them are adaptations. Oh yeah, but I mean, I I know the story. Like, yeah. I know that it's worth recommending. Uh, Good hunting is interesting. Good hunting was the um, uh, Kitsune. Oh yeah, okay. So this is the one where this where you this think where you me. think it's a storyline that involves actual like ancient China and then Hong Kong, and it suddenly becomes a steampunk story out of nowhere. Yeah, um, but mm. the weirdest part about it is is the art style is like really pretty, but then they get to a, like the steampunk bit, and it's like. Oh shit, you thought this was pretty before? No, that's <laughs> steampunk pretty, bitches. And there's a whole section where they do like a whole body transformation thing that's like really fucked up. It's it's Battle Angel Kitsune. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> fucking <laughs> cool. Yeah. But it's like Mood. It's, it's good. Yeah. Enjoyed that one. Yeah. Uh the dump. Mm. Which is really It's an interesting story. Like it, I like it as a standalone thing. It just I when you compare it to everything else in this anthology, it doesn't stand up. You know what I found about the thing that I found hardest about that particular episode? What? Is the animation style is that one where it's monsters versus aliens? Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. not a recommendation. <laughs> but there's some funny bits in the dump. I'll give it its due. Is when he's talking about the whores, he's got the magazine, and he looks over at his uh, real doll bride on the porch because it's like a redneck that owns a dump. You've made me not want to watch this episode. 
saying. It's not great. <laughs> That's I not- know, right? I, I thought, like, after going from all the other stuff in front of it, I think when we got to the dump, by the time episode nine rolled around, like, yeah, we're ready for something that's just fucking dumb. Yeah. Because it was, it was like a palate cleanser. But if the best thing you can say is, well, it's so dumb, it's a palate cleanser, that's not really a ringing endorsement. <laughs> but it's, it's, it is entertaining on face value. It's just not special or as deep or as valuable overall as the rest of the stuff. It's but it's like, not. Paul is shaking his head. It's like a one joke thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even a great joke. It gave us a chance to make a cup of tea, have a laugh, go, oh, that's funny. Like, yeah. it's, it's this nice. is the one where you can leave it on autoplay yeah. and go have a break. Uh, Shapeshifters, I think, was okay, but it wasn't particularly my thing. Is I'm, that the werewolf? The werewolf one. I'm not a big okay. fan of like um, modern warfare stuff, and it's written by the guy that did the Frontlines series, yeah. so it's very war. Like it knows its its terminology. Is it just like war? Is Wait, hell? No, it's it's, 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 uh, it's like modern day Afghanistan sort of. Oh, setup. so it's realistic. But, okay. but like, oh no, but, no, no, no. But no. two of the oh. soldiers are actually werewolves. Okay, hang. Okay. <laughs> I will yeah. say, listen. That happens. The thing that I dude will hang, say, dude, dude hangs dung. I can at least appreciate. I can at least appreciate. That this is the kind of format that lets people just be like, "What if we just fucking did that? Like, just fucking oh. do a buck wild thing. If it oh. doesn't work, wanna, there's the next episode. You want to see werewolf dick? Yes. Because it's werewolf dick in the episode. Okay, I immediately love it. Yeah, that that is hilarious for two things. Oh, yeah. Number one is that the actual, like, the whole army werewolves thing, they do that thing where it's like, oh, we're going to treat the werewolves badly. It's like, <laughs> you do not treat the fucking werewolves badly. They fucking kill things, and you <laughs> see them kill That's things. That's their one like, job. Yeah, and you see, well, they got the lots of jobs. The fight scene is brutal. Yeah, <laughs> but the other thing is, is they have a terrorist werewolf, and it is what? just... They got two. They got two werewolves. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just awful. It's, it's so just... badly done. It's just no... I'm sorry, there's a terrorist werewolf. Yeah. It's there's two of them, and also there's a werewolf dick. Yes, yes. there's a there's. Is it? Do they all have the longs out of it, points? Yep. Is it just that they're like, all naked for the transformation? So basically, what you're saying is that the terrorists' werewolf's dick was too bomb. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, it is. It's an awful, awful. awful Interesting though. Bit, but... However much I disliked that particular storyline, just because I'm not a modern. I mean, I don't think it's a bad storyline. It's just not my taste because I'm not a modern warfare. I'm the same. It's like it has no appeal for me. But it's it's written by um, Marco Cluse, who also did the story for Lucky Thirteen, which is one of my favorites on this one. So just shows sometimes authors, yeah, it's a mess. But then a couple of episodes later, we got. I think that's something where like I'll be biased against it because I like you, Briggy. That's just not my genre. It's an interesting story. It's just not a personal favourite of mine yeah yeah. Like, it's, nothing bad about it it's an interesting take it, on it, dog soldiers it, sort of thing it let me make the worst joke of all time so I'm happy uh, it, yeah it's one thing I will say is, is it's one of those hyper realistic ones again yeah which with is, the werewolves yeah, yeah which yeah. is where it gets a bit yeah. weird it's the same style as um, Aquila Rift yeah. okay I, I'm interested to see whether or not that works for me in that case so moving on to the next episode was Helping Hand Kerbal Space Cro- Program meets uh, 127 hours. What? It's... She's fixing the satellite. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I did not enjoy that one. It was, were, you, were you made uncomfortable by this episode? No, it wasn't I was made uncomfortable. I like this episode. What I've, what I think I've... this is one of the better episodes in the series. Okay, so... Listening to you guys describe them as somebody who hasn't watched them is really interesting, by the way. What do you get out of me saying Kerbal Space Program meets 127 hours? Probably not what it is. I just want to hear what you think. I am imagining just the torture of one of the Kerbal Space Program things. No, no. Which I'm assuming is not what it is. It, it, uh, there is... No, it's like a, the little it, dudes. It's, it's a satellite repair EVA. So woman astronaut has to go out and do a repair on EVA. Mm-hmm. Things go wrong. 
So, so see, my point will probably so be like my point of reference will probably be the film Gravity, not Kerbal Space yeah. Program. Which, which would be a, be a better which, point of reference. But yeah. Gravity is just Kerbal Space Program in the movie. It's not. It is. It's, it's it, not. It really is. It's I not. mean, Kerbal Space Program doesn't make me cry. Anyway, you've not been playing Kerbal Space Program correctly, then. <laughs> oh wow! What the fuck have you been doing in Kerbal Space Program? I get to know my Kerbals. <laughs> I yeah. care for each one of them. And that, that sounds interesting. The gravity makes me more interested than the Kerbal Space Program. The, it's it's okay. It shouldn't. It's, it's one of those where it's a hyper-realistic one as well, though. Yeah, yeah but the story's really good. I'm, I'm still interested. And it's based it's, on, and, and like, what it's it's based on legitimate near-future stuff. Like, the whole thing that works scientifically, and it's based for an interesting story. It, the entire storyline is solved using actual Newtonian physics, yeah. which makes for an okay. interesting take on it. That is interesting. Hence the Kerbal Space Program. Yes. I mean, Gravity was also, like, hard sci-fi. It, mm, it was wrong, but okay. It was close <laughs> enough... Mean, to count. I it mean, was close than a lot of people have been in movies, but it's still wrong. I mean, <laughs> Listen, there's a very low bar. Yeah, that, yeah, there, there are issues with what happens in that story as well. That's No, it checks out. No, it doesn't. We'll talk about this after the show, so we don't ruin people. I'm interested. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, Fish Night, which Ooh, up until the so last two minutes of that, me and Ashley thought we were finally going to get a happy one. Is that based on uh, the it's actual... It's not a happy one. Is that based on the actual mythology of the Fisher Night? The Fisher King, rather. No, this um, is this is the two salesmen lost in the desert. It's the Borderlands style uh, animation. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought it was based on the Fisher King, which is really beautiful, really nice. Like it's a great idea. I loved it in theory, right up until the point that everything goes wrong towards the end. Like, oh man, we're back to another depressing story. <laughs> I didn't think that one was depressing. I thought that one was. It was. It's. It's. Yeah, ironically. <laughs> well, it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, the point of it being is, is okay. So I'm gonna have to elaborate on this slightly. Two salesmen in the desert. The door to door salesman and mm-hmm. one father of... and a son. What father and a son as well? Are they father and son? They are, which makes the ending that much more. I you see. Hot. I didn't think they were father and son. This is definitely father and son. It that's how it came across to me. I'm pretty sure. See if it says father and son. Just uh, it just says that. two salesmen in the. But see, it's, it's only like I a one line. The ambiguity. It's only a one line synopsis there, so I can't take anything yeah. from that. But okay, if they are father and son, maybe. But the point being is, is that basically one the older one is is the older salesman. And he is jaded by the fact that Dordale Salesman is a dying thing and he's got this young And also he's him. in the fucking desert, presumably. Yeah, that also ain't going great for him. But that's because... They're in Arizona, aren't they? Because they say that this, yeah. the last stop was Phoenix. Yeah. So it takes place uh, yeah. on Earth in presumably modern day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is very weird for um, compared to everything else. And then there's a whole bit where basically the old man's thinking about how at one point the desert was all underneath the sea mm-hmm. and why do you only get ghosts of people? So is this absurdism episode yeah 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 so that the end basically is is oh look ghosts came back of undersea things and through like manifestations of the like the, the ghosts this young mm-hmm. man is able to swim with them and then something happens which is, is pretty, so, pretty much alluded so to this is right? probably based on some kind of fucking absurdist script from somewhere <laughs> uh it's joe lansdale that wrote it uh, who what's he done uh lansdale what was his main stuff Oh, yeah, of course. Lansdale was one of the guys that um, was one of the main writers for Batman the Animated Series. Was he? Really? Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, Lansdale I don't also, remember um, most people who worked, worked... There were a lot of people who worked on that series. I uh, this, this probably goes with, like, Paul not liking it, is that Lansdale also wrote The Dump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's one of those That where... sounds like... For, I'm saying this is somebody who's heavily biased because I'm involved in theatre, but that sounds like somebody who really likes absurdism. Yeah, I mean, the, the dump, as much as the dump isn't a great, like, 
piece it is a contained unit whereas this is more just like a an abstract sort of like yeah, a, yeah. isn't this an idea that could happen but it could have been such a, like a lovely idea that ended nicely and instead it was not that i don't i, don't I think, think i'll it, like this one yeah. to be honest yeah. this is my think, shit i don't think it this ended is badly though art house i mean obviously you can read it that way but at the same time he was he was he was in a situation where it wasn't going to get better anyway okay yeah, no, this sounds this sounds like somebody was like, shit, I have a chance to do art house stuff, yeah. which is my it, shit. Yeah, it very much is. So on, on that's my house. shit. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, the next episode would be Lucky 13, which I think might be my favourite of the entire anthology. Yeah, it is amazing. Lucky it's, 13 is fucking brilliant. It is, it's, it's, again, yeah. it's uh, Marco Cluse who did um, the werewolf one, the shapeshifters. So it's very military, but it's sci-fi military. It's like space mm-hmm. soldier military focused around a rookie pilot who's been given the cast-off ship, mm-hmm. which is Lucky 13. The only ship that they can remember in history to have lost its entire crew, not once, but twice, and come <laughs> back intact. So Rookie's get the cast-offs, and it turns out to be the best fucking ship. It is. And it's, it's, it's an entire episode that makes you care about a piece of machinery more than any other human involved in that episode. But Well, no, no, because the main story, as it's told through the, the pilot, it is that relationship... I, I, I got the feeling that the ship was alive because of the, like, the camera angles used from the internal camera. Well, yeah, so they made me think it was an AI. Yeah, that's the point. Is, yeah. is, is it's supposed it's to be soul. ambiguous yeah, but yeah. at the same time. I love that ship. Yeah. That's my favourite ship. I do that's love, one of my new favourite sci-fi ships. I love a ship with AI. Like, that's my oh, They never say it outright. No, that's it's ambiguous. Is but that's my take. That's my headcanon. Yeah, that well, ship was alive and it loved her. But the, <laughs> that's the point, though, is, yeah. is, is it's ambiguous because... That ship was her waifu. <laughs> Immediately want to watch this episode. Yeah. Will probably be my favourite episode. It's so good. It is, it I is. am the person who's still mad I couldn't marry Edie. It's in Mass also, Effect. in my opinion, um, uh, Lucky 13 is Star Citizen, the short story. It's great. Okay. So it reminded it's... me of my Valkyrie in, in Star Citizen. Okay. Like, oh, I'll be running these missions myself. You've got my attention. I'm going to name mine Lucky 13. You've... Like every other Valkyrie pilot in Star Citizen now will name theirs Lucky 13. <laughs> But it's it's it probably I would say the closest in terms of if you were going to say of, of any of them that you could transform it into a standalone property. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest one where you'd go, oh, yeah, that would be a. Thing. And it has some great air, air fight stuff going in there as well. Yeah. That 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 one episode easily eclipses every other like science fiction property in the last decade to have had like a space battle or any mm. sort of flying battle, like especially because the whole thing is done. For most of that battle sequence, the main battle sequence in the episode is done without any guns. It's all flares. It's just fucking cool. That yeah. sounds really Yeah, cool. it's badass. It really it looks it's gorgeous. And as I say, in terms of the character animation for it, I can't remember what the woman's name is, but d- there are times where I'm like, that's definitely her, right? That just mm-hmm. looks like her. It just yeah, a little bit mocap perfect. and everything, yeah, but yeah. it is animation. But yeah, it's, it's so good. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, we've we've said how much we like that one. So the next one is Zima Blue, which we've mentioned before. I really liked that one. I have seen this one and I can contribute. Which, I will say I really liked it. I consider it to be a reverse bicentennial man. Mm, I can see what you're Kind going of, for. yeah. 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 I mean, I really, really enjoyed that one. I mean it's if probably Robin like a hip artist. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be to everybody's taste, but I really It's the reverse Brigitte. Bicentennial Man if he was Banksy. Don't insult. I don't like Banksy. <laughs> okay, but um, but no, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very measured. It was very mm. sort of slow and well paced. It reminded me actually a lot of certain Asimov stories yeah. more yeah, than anything. Exa- yeah, you know what? We're saying that man is, isn't it? It's based off of but the Asimov story is different. Very very loosely. Um, but what I was going to say, one of the things when you say Asimov is the sense of scale 
in terms of yes. the way it's handled, is probably better than any other episode and in the not, thing. And not scale in terms of, like, geographic expansion. It's got in that too. Of, but in terms of time. <laughs> yeah. It has this sense. It manages to convince you in a very short period of time that the story of this person took place over a very, very long period of time. Yeah. It's it's very... I really enjoyed it. It was slow and measured. And the entire story is the story of the viewer analog learning about this person. Yeah. It isn't the person going through these things. It's you gradually learning. And the ending is just really, really good. And I can imagine a lot of people wouldn't like it because it is a very slow measured quote-unquote pretentious thing. And for fans of actual scale, there is a mural the size of a moon. And the visuals <laughs> in it, this is the one that was done by the um, animation group that did Gorillas. I can't remember uh, what their name is. That would be uh, Passion Animation Studios. Right. So it's really great. And there's just some individual frames that show, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but like that show the physical scale of like the artwork that is shown off in it. And it's just... It's really striking, and and I really enjoyed it. And it's very different to most science fiction mm. work, but it's also undeniably <laughs> science fiction. They were also the guys that did the um, meerkat stuff. Really? Yeah. Good Apparently Lord. so. Yeah. What a world we live in. But Com- um, comparethemarket.com. It's it's both. <laughs> they did that. <laughs> it's concerned with the stuff that a lot of science fiction is concerned with, but also very different in presentation and mm. just. I'm just happy that I have something that I can contribute during this discussion. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. And visually, it's so striking. Oh, yeah. The bit where... So, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but the colour blue, and I know what this is a reference to in the art world, but I will avoid boring you all. But the colour blue is a major feature of the kind of palette of the story. It is about an artist who becomes obsessed with a specific shade of the colour blue. Um, and you find out why by the end of it. But, like, when you see him the first time, he's a, he's a dark-skinned black character. And, like, all of his animation is done with highlights in the colour blue, mm. which is just this incredibly striking visual, like, that sets him apart visually from a lot of the backgrounds, which are done in warmer colours in the earlier parts. And it's also, it's something that's technically fairly realistic because very dark skin tones tend to reflect with cooler undertones. But it's also just visually striking enough that it really catches your eye. Oh, I really liked that one. It's yeah. not going to be for everybody, but I liked it. Um, if you look at the, the, whole, like, the whole scale of the animations, it stands out above mm-hmm. a lot of them just purely because it is so strikingly like stylized it is i mean it's it's the people who did gorillas and Mm. and they're really flexing their muscles here and like it it'll just it's just i really enjoyed it if if i would say if i was gonna pick one where like i'd want to like look at it like visually it, it would be that one yeah um and it creates a really nice universe it does. It's like, I want... That is one where it's like, I'd love to read some more short stories or see some more short films in that universe because it's very... It's slightly surreal, but also based on a lot of, like, golden age classic sci-fi. It yeah. takes ideas from golden age classic sci-fi and updates them with a more kind of socially aware, modern perspective, which I think is really interesting. It felt like 
if Asimov lived in 2019 and gave a shit about 2019 things, <laughs> if that makes sense. Well, rather than just Would robots. you have liked Zima Blue as much as if it was in a hyper-realistic art style? No. I okay. would have actively See, disliked it. I still would. And I make this point because it was also written by Alistair Reynolds, who did yeah. the Beyond was the it really? Yes. I much... The visual style added so much for me in yeah. terms of the way that visual... Specifically colour. Like, colour is a huge... It is the thematic point of the story. And the way in which it's used in the hyper-stylized element is very striking. Like, it is the first thing, literally the first thing, that I noticed about it. I'm really curious as to what the visual inspirations are because I can point to a couple of early... 40s and 50s comics mm -hmm. that I think it is visually referencing in oh. a couple of its early points. I was going to say that it just looks like Samurai Jack. Not mm, really. No, not in terms of the use of lighting because it has heavy ink work. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it on the podcast because I'd have to Google things and I don't have my phone to hand. But there are a couple of comics that were done by early African-American cartoonists um, that I'm pretty sure that some of the early shots are directly referencing. Like, it yeah. has a strong visual identity that goes back to golden age sci-fi comics, but like a very specific segment of it. I, I just really enjoyed it. It's very beautiful. And I thought it was wonderful. And I would not have enjoyed it if it was not done in that stylized way, personally. Yeah. Cool. Next one's Blind Spot. Which is... I talked about Blind Spot and I love it. <laughs> Blind Spot is the thing that was, is the, the segment which, whereas I think that the Lucky 13 is the one that is the property where I could go, if that was a movie, that would be the thing. Blind Spot is the one where I'd go, if you made that into a show, it's the easiest one yes. to sell. Well, I was talking about earlier, I was trying to Google the shows it reminded me of, and I, I could only find one of the two like Nickelodeon shows that I think it, it feels like a merge of to me. I can't remember. If someone remembers the one with like, the battle car things, and it's a post-apocalyptic universe, and they all got cars. There's like ten of those. That. And there's a very specific one I'm thinking of. I'm sure someone out there will go like, oh yeah, it's that show. But what? the other one was the um, was a Botsmaster. Oh uh, yeah, it's got the, it's got the aesthetic what? like design choices for the characters like Bossman with the th put on your three D glasses. What shades? Yeah. They're shades. Shade. Yeah. <laughs> What's Sorry. the one? What's the one that came out as like a nostalgia revival thing that only went for one series in the twenty tens on like I think it was Cartoon Network. Oh. oh, and it had that really slick animation style. Yeah. You know the one that I mean, and they had the cars, and it was in like the post apocalyptic world with the neon. You're talking Motor City. Maybe. I don't remember. Fucking Google that. that. You have a phone. It. We'll get back to it. <laughs> no, but there was... It, it just reminded me of, like, very toyetic. Yeah. And, like, I would watch that cartoon series. It, it, it like, thematically, it is. You could just go, these are some outlaw robots. They do heists. There's probably a reason for it. That and the rookie having the hat built into him as a robot reminded me of um, the main character from Cave Story. Yeah. Same sure. Thing. Yeah. No, I see that. I like that aesthetic of like, oh yeah, the, like the anime protagonist has a hat. It's like, and he's a robot, so it's just built into it's his, head. his head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, his head is an anime cap. The person <laughs> who built him just really fucking liked hats. There you go. But no, that one was just fun. It's Apple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that one was hella cool. And it's just, it's just fun. And you think it's gonna kind of yeah. end on a downer, and then it ends on a happy note, yeah, and you're like, see, it's that just has a happy fun. ending. It's a good way to go out, what? I think, that episode. Yeah, yeah, that one does, yeah. yeah. Well, some, yeah. That was episode 15, though. Yeah. <laughs> 15 before we got, like, a, a happy ending. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's just fun, and it's just... Like, the animation style is fun. Mm. The storyboarding and editing are fucking amazing. Like, it's just... I want that television series. Yeah. Actually, the... Um, I'm trying to find it. Good Hunting technically has a happy ending. Not really. I mean, she gets to become awesome. 
That's and not a happy either ending. Either of them die. So. That's not a happy ending. No. No. No, this is a really horrible ending, Brigitte. You've She becomes a vigilante. That's not a happy ending. Ah, maybe I just like hero worship Batman too much. Yeah. Vigilantes, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a really <laughs> fucking miserable ending. Um <laughs> On to the next episode, which I think also technically, if you ask me, has a happy ending. So this again, this is up there in like my top three so far, or top five, five for the we're ever in Ice Age. The, the Please only... tell me it's just a shot for shot remake <laughs> of the fucking film. It's the only live action episode uh, in this anthology, and it's got Topher Grace and whatever name is that play Ramona Flowers. I still haven't searched the name yet, but they're the only two people in it, apart from the little uh, bit where there's two construction workers. But um, the whole episode for Ice Age is about a couple that have just moved into a new new apartment and they've got an old refrigerator oh, yeah. in the kitchen. And so they get they're, they're having drinks on this so they get some ice out and the first point he does is he pulls out the ice cube because look at that is that what I think it is? And there's a tiny woolly mammoth in the ice cube. Oh that's so that's cute. That's got spears in it. It's it's literally the episode of The Simpsons where Lisa gets her tooth and puts it into See, some cola. I was thinking it sounded it. like a less racist version of Indian in the Cupboard that I read when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, a movie of that. Well, yeah, but... That was a movie? Yeah. yeah. Good Lord. It had Darth yeah. Vader in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the, the point being is is that the, the, it's like a microcosm and it, yeah. it does fast time. Yeah, there's a civilization that living actually super fast sounds inside the refrigerator. Yeah. And then, then thermonuclear war happens. So this one is... Suntan, and that's funny. So this one is in like it's somewhat horrible. This is in like, good, like like joke to it. So this is like actual live action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's the, the elements that are like it's the effects that yeah. are the, the yeah, animated yeah, yeah. side of things. Sorry, I'm just thinking of that episode again because there's so many like little funny bits in it. It's, and they order out for pizza, and he's just like, he's like, maybe we should check. It's been an hour. They might have rebuilt by now. <laughs> <laughs> like holding the slice of pizza. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a funny like bit. Yeah, yeah, but it's. It's the one that feels least like it's part of the anthology. It's a concept real. film. You think? Yeah. Uh, like it sounds Witness like a really fun concept film. I'd I'd say Witness is at least trying to like stylistically be of a similar vein, even if it fails to do so. I think this one probably sticks out a lot for being live action from what you've said. As it's not even it's so much that just it's fun. It's it's more like if it if it wasn't if you didn't know it as part of this, mm-hmm. if you just saw it as a short, you'd be like, oh, it's a, a funny it's a short. fun one off. And yeah. Topher Grace sells it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's so but funny. at the same time, this is one that I'm very eager to see because yeah. this is my kind of thing. Oh yeah, it's, it's great. Like yeah. as a, co- I like conceptual I, films. I, I, yeah. I put it in my top. I think it's great. Yeah, it, I, think I, it's great. I think it's great. But it's, I would say it's, it's, it's great on its own. I wouldn't say it's part it's, of. It, it didn't need to be part of this, but they needed the I money. Mean, I enjoyed in it because of, it made it, it didn't make the entire anthology feel like the, the, it was all hitting the same points. This one was different enough to like really every, skew how every anthology needs something that is wild and out there. Mm. I do think that that is true. This I don't every think this anthology. is that wild and out there. Oh, this was a fun little sci-fi story. I like the idea of like a like a tiny civilization in your, in your freezer, and you're watching it go by faster. Again, it's and you basically they get one point where you see it from like the civilization's point of view and like. Who do you think these two heads look at? Like, I don't know, but I'm sick of seeing the broccoli it's and the teeth. Just, yeah. It's just, it's <laughs> probably just somebody who wanted to do not racist Indian in the cupboard, which I can respect. <laughs> I mean, we got we got other funny uh, episodes within the anthology. Yeah, no, there's no, that's nice, what I mean, though. Let's have it's, a happy, funny live action thing that's not John Scalzi because <laughs> it's not one of his episodes. Ah, uh, but yeah. don't you just want John Scalzi to do his own full thing? Nah, no, we're about to move on to another Scalzi episode now. Yeah, this one's a bit blog like difficult though. Oh, I loved this. This was great. 
So episode 17, what we're up to now is Alternate Histories. And it's sold to you as an app, like advertisement. Okay. And it's, I know of the story that this is based on, yeah. but I haven't read it. So it's sold to you as an app where you can change any event in the past and see how it changes history. So you get your alternate history. And so the entire episode revolves around... So Black Mirror style kind so, of episode. Well, the entire, yeah. the entire episode revolves around um, what happened if Hitler died before World War One, And you get six different scenarios of his death, the first two of which aren't ultra far-fetched. And then we get into the last four, which get progressively more fucking insane as you go. And it's just fun writing from Scalzi all the way through. Especially the fifth scenario, I think, had me rolling. I'm interested in that just because knowing enough as I do about Scalzi's political leanings, I can imagine that he got quite sharp in it. <laughs> the last scenario is even better. Oh, I can't ruin it for people. you got to watch it because it's not even that long. Like the last two Scalzi ones, because Scalzi had a, a long mm. one with three robots, then the next two that he does the yoga and then. Uh, Ultimate histories are quite short. They're about six to seven minutes each, I think. Yeah. For the, it's last also, two. real punchy for the scenario. Oh, yeah. So you get in, you have your laugh, here's your science fiction told to you in a st- stupid, humorous way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who hasn't talked about like alternate history? Like, what happens? You go oh, to change the yeah. thing. So it's a funny way of doing that. Well, and Scalzi is somebody who really fucking puts thought into it, even for a stupid joke. It's really good. I, I love that one. Just there's so many that. great jokes in it. What and, do you think of it, Paul? Because you've actually um, seen it and I haven't. It's, it's stylistically, it's it's one of the ones which feels like it feels very polished. It feels like an internet cartoon, right? And yeah, I, but this kind of sci-fi is my bag. It's uh, the, you know. I'm curious to see whether it feels like that in a deliberate way or an I, unintentional way. I, you see, this is this is one of the weird things. Is is because it's not because it's the way it's presented is so far removed from everything else. Is it's not it's not narrative. It's literally just yeah. this, like a skit. Yeah, because Scalzi has a lot of short stories that are basically like that. Yeah, and um, it it works. It works as what it is, but I just find it that incongruous. It, 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 considering some of the the others, whilst they're so like violently different, mm-hmm. um, at least feel like narrative narratively that they've got something to go yeah. t- together with. Whereas this one sort of like is almost like a like a full stop, where it's just like here's the thing at the end. I mean, the original short story, I haven't actually read the short story, I know of it, but it's fairly short in and of itself, so I'd imagine that there's not a lot to flesh out there. Mm. So I'm curious as to whether a lot of it comes from the original source material just being a different kind of short story, because there are different types of short story. Like, and John Scalzi does all of them. Like, in a lot of ways, he's more of a short story writer than a novelist. It's just six scenarios for yeah. how Hitler it's, would die before it's, it's World flash War II. Fiction and then what happens after that? It's it's flash fiction style yeah. rather than short story style. Which I like <laughs> flash fiction. Like, I am into that shit. And I'm looking forward to watching this one. <laughs> I've just remembered that episode has my all-time favourite line of the entire anthology in it. <laughs> oh, is it a spoiler one? You can't no, say no, it. say it. I don't it's, care. It's because they do the first time he dies. Like, and Because I think the last part... I don't care it, about it, it caps. Um, it caps each scenario... At the end of it, with yeah. the first person on the moon, based on yeah. the new timeline. Hmm. And so there's one particular one. That, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Is it the jellyfish? No. No, yeah. it's, the, it's the Vladimir Putin. Is the first <laughs> Vladimir Putin is the first real man on the moon and gives the day for it. And he's just bare-chested on the moon <laughs> oh, and no help. God. And that happened to have me fucking dying. This is what I mean, though. Like, I know enough about John Scorsese's political leanings to know that he's got some fucking jokes up his sleeve. <laughs> but it just reminded me of when he was doing all the... 
you know, well, you know yeah. Sylvester Putin Stallone fucking it. does that well, shit. Like, like the fake stunts that he did for... Yeah. Like, it and just showed, showing his fucking it, chest. Yeah, it was done as that. But also because it was like, first man on the moon or first woman on the moon, etc. As they were doing the version, they was like, first real man on the moon. And it's Vladimir Yeah, no. I, I want to watch That's this one. I'm curious. Joke. I love that joke. I'm curious about that, that one. That had to be fucking rolling. Okay, moving on to the very last episode of the anthology, which I've heard online, at least. Not a lot of people dug this one. And I don't know if I like this one or not. Hmm. I think because it got to so late last night, me and Ashley started talking over it while we were watching it, which kind of made it more fun, which is why it kind of ended up being brought up to maybe higher than it deserves, but it's the uh, Secret War, yeah, which is uh, Soviets versus Eldritch Horror is the entire plot outline, but me and Ashley just started cracking jokes over the top of it, which I think made it that much better. Cause on the face of it, it's just, you know, occultists raise demons, Soviet soldiers have to deal with demons in middle of winter, and, like, it's not much to it, but when you sat there and you've had a drink and you start <laughs> chatting shit over the top and the kid starts playing the Tetris theme on a guitar, so in other like, words, if you play with me, if you watch it with me... Yeah. If you're having a good time with it, it's all right, but it's not, I don't think, in my opinion, like, a very... Good one I'm, overall. I'm broadly curious about good. the increase recently in science fiction writers bringing back fucking Cold War era fiction. That feels like it's fucking like related to cultural anxiety, shall we say? Well, we got we got rednecks versus uh, rednecks and max versus alien insects, and then we got Soviets versus eldritch horrors. I'm just saying, I feel like there's some anxieties that modern science fiction is attempting to tackle through the past. I mean, I spent half half of the day... Vladimir Putin was the first real man on the moon. I spent half of the day laughing about a joke that's not even in the anthology, just something Ashley said on top of watching Secret War. And she ended up texting me in the middle of the day with one word, and it's fucking set me off again. So it's just because it's a stupid joke. So we've been watching Game Grumps, and they did, um, um, what is it, Devil's 13 or whatever? Devil's Third, that Wii U yeah. game. And they were doing the Ivan jokes over the top of it. It was just that on top of this one. It's not really that interesting, I think, as an episode. But, like, is it Eldritch Horror? Is it not Eldritch Horror? You see the guy, like, pointing, like, through the sniper rifle into the woods and you sort of see something and actually just went, Slender Man. And I went, <laughs> fucking killed me. Like, that just, that joke just went on for, like, uh, another that, couple of the five minutes. I'm like, what is this about again? Oh, yeah, we're watching that's some the dudes. joy of watching things with friends. So, as a story, not the best. But as an experience, when we were like watching it late last night, trying to finish it for the podcast, fucking gold. <laughs> it's it's also again one of those hyper realistic ones. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. This is the one I mentioned earlier. Where I said, yeah, like, yeah, I thought yeah. it might have been live action for a yeah. second, and Ashley like, "No, you idiot." I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> that sounds like Ashley. Yeah. That, we really got to get her on the podcast. That that Eldritch Horry looks really realistic. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if, if these demons are real or not. They could. Maybe they got a good agent. <laughs> they got a good agent. I think Skulls in the, the story about that. <laughs> agent of the stars. Yeah, um, it's that last episode is. It's one of those where it takes itself quite seriously, and it's just that's just not as fun. No, it, it feels like a weird one to end on. Apart from do... that kid playing guitar in the middle of it, where he's playing that Russian folk song, which is the Tetris music. I, which do... I could not hear the Tetris music. I was like, hey, he's playing Tetris. Life or death situation. Dun, 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 hey, dun, listen. Dun, 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 listen. <laughs> Russia takes the fact that they te- they did produce Tetris very fucking seriously and justifiably so. <laughs> I mean, it is a cultural phenomenon. The funniest thing... after this, this was set, though. The yeah. funniest thing is when that person online was just like, well, communism would never have produced video games and someone was just like, Tetris. Yeah. It happened. 
Communism <laughs> didn't produce the video game. They just took credit for it. <laughs> One dude made it. Yeah, but they still produced it, like, en masse. Yeah, like, they oh. exported oh, okay. it. Yeah. They exported it. Yeah, yeah. yeah they like, they literally, like, have they literally seen, manufactured it. Have you not seen arcade games of the USSR? <laughs> No. They really okay. fucking went in on that shit. There is some like amazing arcade cabinets from the USSR. Yeah, no, because it was all under state production. They put a lot of fucking money in it, basically because they were like, well, if we have good cultural shit, nobody will try and leave. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. The history of like computing and media in the USSR is genuinely fascinating because a lot of it is just the government increasingly being like, we have to make people not want to leave. I know you don't have any food, but we have really good arcades and computers. Yeah, and neither of them are good. <laughs> I mean, in terms of the... I mean, the they arc- tried. Yeah. The, arc- the arcades themselves are like... But it was like the marketing behind yeah. them. Like, it oh, was yeah. this whole... I could genuinely... There are books about the USSR's video game industry. Like, yeah. I own one of them. It's, this it's, is off topic. I'm sorry. It's oh, all right. No, it's it's it's, it's really interesting because you do a podcast with me long enough, it turns into discussion of like fucking communism or something. Well, that's fair enough. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that's seemed a little bit sort of overplayed in the last episode or the last animation is it is a case of sort of like, oh, look at them being all stoic and fighting these things, and they're trying to survive, and they're they're harder men and sort of hardy for fighting off these things and you thought the Russian winters yeah it's like there are things like there are actual bears in Russia that will do just as much damage yeah. if not more so but bears <laughs> are just eldritch horrors like yeah. have you fucking seen those things uh, a grizzly bear I am genuinely fucking terrified they're, like, they're adorable they're not black bears are adorable no no they will bite your hand you off you ask Ashley post this show they'll bite more than your fucking hand off they will your disembowel you, you, you ask Ashley for the link of this show and if I remember putting the show notes for a, a bear place in upstate bears, New York looks after them and it's just the absolute unit. Bears are beautiful. Bear bears are beautiful, intelligent creatures that we should respect and also they can murder you with one fucking swipe. Yeah. Um, and and that's why is, you respect them. Is, is you mentioned the, like, the black bear being the cute one and it's the brown bear that's the murder machine and the white bear that just is the eating machine and you're like, great, cool. I don't want to die from either of those things. <laughs> bears, bears are wonderful, so kind of intelligent. Cool. They are wonderful, intelligent creatures. And also, they're terrifying. Yeah. I think, was there a bear in that? They can climb. What? Because in terms of like, all eldritch horror in Russia, it's like actual bears. I mean, we've got actual demons. They could eat your entire head in two bites. That's that's like a scientific fact. I've been playing a lot of Starcraft. Two bites will eat your head from a like major full-sized bear. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Basically... If you're given the choice between fighting Eldritch Horror and a bear... I'd choose the Eldritch Horror. Yeah. That's not even a joke. I need Ashley downstairs so we can do bear cast. <laughs> we can do a bear cast. Ashley That'll be our bonus episode when we launch our Patreon. Come tell us about bears and how cool they are. It's evil just, murder machines. I'll just pop up in the background being like, don't trust the fucking bears. I mean, number of people have actually been killed by Eldritch Horror, minimal. <laughs> number of people have actually been killed by bears, at least in the thousands. On the other minimal. hand, they are all... <laughs> So you think someone has been killed? Well, like, if it's in a book and it's a heavy book and it had in your head, like, it's technically... Oh, you, 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 you uh, then a Cromenon, maybe. You, yeah. you were killed literally by the Necronomicon. It fell yeah. off of a shelf. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, though. Bears will only kill you if you fuck with their shit. Just don't fuck with their shit and you're basically fine. Yeah, and but polar bears, their shit is if you're near them. So humans were not built to live in that environment. You show up and they're just like this idiot. We'll just put them out of their misery. They get bored eventually. 
They don't. Do you never see? They literally will follow you for miles. They will kill you. Did you not see there was a guy who built a bear-proof enclosure? Fucking indigenous people who live in the... Listen. It it eventually just walks off. You know how indigenous people who live in the Arctic aren't stupid enough to go far enough north to meet bears? If you go far enough north, the bear's just like, it's stupid. We just have to kill it out of mercy. I mean, technically, they'll also come down now and scavenge food well yeah but that's our fault (laughs) yeah both our fault but still (laughs) (laughs) literally and like i'm saying people who live near enough to walk up there fucking have not historically walked up there indigenous people in the arctic know what is up you fucking stay away from the bear line it's like the tree line but deadlier well off topic (laughs) we are you can just cut this (laughs) oh it's i'm I'm not i'm keeping the best people need to be warned (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> People need to be one. There's bears out there. There are. Okay, so we know you came here for the robots, but have you heard about the bears? Yeah. Just before, like, someone tells you otherwise, bears are deadly and they will eat your face. They're also beautiful and you should respect them. And your face does not need to be eaten, so do it from a distance. You do it a very long way away by not fucking with their shit. Yeah. So that was... Love death robots and somehow bears as well. Now we we did transformers. We, we did there. bad sex scenes. We did bears. Basically, not I mean, bad sex scenes with bears. That that's awful. That's idea. just bad gay porn. Wrong bear. Yeah, I mean they might. There's bite only one kind of bear off. that I care about. They might bite your face off, but I'd, I'd be more scared of actual bears. I mean, only if you're into that. There's like a hanky coat thing for that. I'm sure. Are involved. Pardon? Depends if bath salts are involved. <laughs> yeah. Bear and bath salts. I mean, I, I, if I've got to outrun a dude on bath salts versus outrunning an actual bear. No, I mean an actual bear on bath salts. Oh, God, no. Why uh, would you do that? Eldritch horror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's literally. And that's how the apocalypse happened. Well, folks, I think we're all done for today. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to try and bring this podcast back in and get a I mean, you can control. try. Yeah. Okay. That's the point where I was talking about the hanky code, so good luck. So... Yeah, Love, Death and Robots. Uh, I thought it was a pretty fucking phenomenal miniseries. But then again, I'm in the camp of people that also liked heavy metal. Yeah. By which I mean, I mean, I also like the genre, but by which I mean the TV show. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Do you really, Bricky? Yes. I never knew that about you. Well, you never I, talk about it. I, I play it close to the chest. I like people know about my musical tastes. <laughs> I mean, you did cut your hair, so it's slightly less obvious Yeah, now. I'm stealth metal now. There's <laughs> <laughs> a portmanteau that I can't make. Stealth. yeah it's ideally it's what netflix should be doing is just anthology shows because it's perfect for binge watching and it lets them do things that a lot of mainstream networks would not otherwise greenlight like who the fuck else is doing anthology shows yeah except for the revival of the is the revival of the twilight zone netflix no channel four but that's like a famous fucking property and has jordan peele channel four doing sci-fi anthologies which ones are they doing electric dreams Yes, yeah. but they did okay, one. Series? Yeah. It did have Janelle But that's Manane. because they lost Black Mirror. Yeah. <laughs> but they've done one hey. series because no, Netflix now have done one series of Love, Death and Real It was good. We don't count Black Mirror because it's on both. I will say it was good and it, it had Janelle Monet in it, which is amazing. Janelle Monet. Oh my God. Just give her a fucking anthology series. <laughs> just, just, just film her. <laughs> It's just her just <laughs> spouting the shit. Like, listen, she basically lives her life as a fucking amazing cyborg. Like, it would just work. Don't don't include bears, though, because that'd be mean. <laughs> what is happening? Sorry, you're I, saying... Uh, I, don't, I don't even know anymore. Okay. Uh, I, I enjoyed the show, like I yeah. said. 
it's I think it's well worth the watch for anyone that's even, even vaguely interested in sci-fi. Uh, a lot of my interest in this came from um, I've been reading over the last year or two now, getting way more deep into some contemporary sci-fi with a lot of well-known authors that are doing stuff now. Uh, specifically, like John Scalzi was in this, but I like to yeah. see some of the other authors that I follow do some stuff. The short stories. I'd love to see a season two of this where we get some Neil Asher in there. Because I absolutely love his policy series, and I like the way that he does stuff. I can imagine some some stories from him would be interesting as a counterpoint to some stuff we've had this season. But yeah, another season with more I will I will say, I can imagine Ted Chiang doing some yeah. work for this. Although he could probably just have his own anthology series, but I can imagine him doing something for it. And I can it'd, imagine... It'd be cool if we got a season two where uh, I, like Gaiman threw something into the ring as well, because I, I know he's done like, I, science fiction before I, as well. I can't remember her name. The woman who did the um, Ancillary Justice series. I can't remember her name either. No, but yeah, I can, I, I've read those books and I enjoy them very much. I can imagine her doing something. I mean, a lot of the sci-fi authors and fantasy authors and specific authors that I read are just not big enough names to likely be approached for this kind of thing. I read a lot of independently published stuff but like those are the two that i can really imagine like i i would just watch a ted chang uh fucking anthology series like i would just read i would just watch that like he's got enough short stories that he can do it whereas i imagine a lot of the sci-fi authors that i follow now are big enough to be invited to season two and will likely end up in season yeah two. well this is this is obviously like a, a format that you could quite heavily spin off mm-hmm. season after season after season because if you are just getting animation Absolutely. studios and going choose an author go animate a story and then and even we'll buy it off you and the thing is they can afford to have episodes that aren't great because they're experimental and the experiment didn't work because at the end of the day so long as the whole thing is mm. ultimately good and that's what i like that it allows for experimentation where you're like this might not work but if it doesn't work it's not the end of the world so you can do stuff that's really wild and sometimes it will miss mm. but because of that There'll be something that lands that would never have gotten a chance somewhere else. Yeah. And so it's like, it it's experimental in a way that's worth it. And that's why I like anthology series. And I'm glad to see them sort of getting more prominence in like a streaming world. Okay. Top four authors I want short stories from for season two of Love, Death and Robots. This is, this any one of these four would make me happy. All four of them makes it the best season two in history. Okay, here we go. Neil Asher, I've already said. Because I love the Polly stuff. I think he'd be brilliant. Uh, Scott Meyer, who does the Magic 2.0 series. Hmm. I think he could give us some more like levity, some funny ones to go alongside the Scalzi stuff. I would love that. I'd also say uh, I'd quite like to see some Andy Weir stuff in there. Who mm. wrote The Martian Anonymous? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can see him doing very well in a short anthology. If they did The Egg, which is like his original short story, mm-hmm. as that I would like to see him do something new because I'd love to see him do more short form stuff. Oh yeah, but they could pick some of those. Yeah. like it so and. Last but not least, and definitely my biggest want for next season's show, I don't think he's ever written a short story that I've read, but I've read his other books, Yahtzee Crowshaw. Oh, Give me am. a Yahtzee short. He does short fiction, and it's good. And it would be awesome. So those are the four that I would love to see I, piled onto next season. I would say, in terms of somebody who would never be asked, just because in English-speaking markets, she's not well-known enough, but um, I'm a huge fan of the work of Zen Cho. Mm-hmm. Um, she did a short story series called Spirits Abroad that is one of my favourite books ever. I'd love to see her do something in any anthology series. Ted Chiang, like, I really like his work. I um, have really loved his work for years. I'd love that. I would really actually love to see Andy Weir do something that is, like, new. I think that it would be great to see him move back into, like, short form stuff. 
And um, in terms of like British authors, I'm kind of thinking like, actually, yeah, I, I would absolutely watch Neil Gaiman do something new. Yeah, I can see that. Not an adaptation of some of his older stuff, but something new. Okay, I know this is probably going to be a divisive pick, which is why I didn't say it in the top four, but I would, I personally, just me, and I know that mm-hmm. you are definitely not going to agree with me, mm-hmm. I would love to see Ernest Cline. I'm like, being polite. I like, like Ernest Cline, I like his stories. That's absolutely a legitimate life choice, and I, I respect you, Briggy. I like Ready Player One, and I like Armada, and I am not apologising for that. You don't have to. I'm being very polite. <laughs> um, ironically, I think you probably do well to have, like, rather than just necessarily authors, you probably do well, like we were saying last episode, to get some comic book writers. Oh, I would go. watch Kieran Gillen. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. You knew. <laughs> Before you brought that up. Also, James Roberts. I would watch James Roberts. I would watch um, Willow Wilson. Uh, she would do some interesting stuff. Um, honestly, there's a lot, actually, of no, comics no, no. writers. There's, there's only one comics writer that we need. Is it Grant Morrison? Yeah, it's Grant Morrison. I mean, yes. <laughs> it's Grant Morrison. But Grant Morrison needs his own fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, give him a short story. Would you call awesome. it that? Grant Morrison's own, <laughs> Grant Morrison's own fucking show. show. Yes, I absolutely would. <laughs> but, um, I mean, in terms of comics writers, I mean, fucking, I could go forever. <laughs> And I'd quite like to see uh, animation-wise Rooster Teeth get involved in this. Oh, They're yeah. already working with Netflix. I'd love to see it. Give them some actual money. I mean, they're still going to do the exact same thing you've seen them do for Genlock. It's not going to change from that, yes, money or not. They'll be able to maintain the animation um, budget that they maintain the animation budget they had for the first episode of Genlock, which never quite was recaptured in the later episodes. I disagree. But we'll save that for our Genlock discussion when you guys have actually oh. watched all of it. Hey, I have one episode left to watch. And I have a lot of strong opinions, and they're all good. I really enjoy Genlock, but I have a lot of strong opinions. You can get caught up for next episode? Yeah, I'll be caught up. It's only like seven episodes. Okay, so I think as we're going to wrap up this week's uh, episode of the Geeks Codex, um, I think we're going to end that on us going, yeah, Love, Death and Robots, well worth the watch. Mm -hmm. And if you've got Netflix, then why aren't you watching it right now? Because you're listening to a podcast. <laughs> mm, yeah, well, I mean, if you're watching a podcast or listening to a podcast while watching a show, you're really not doing a service to the show. <laughs> no, you're not. We're not. We're not we're worth we're it. sitting here talking <laughs> about Congratulations, you failed yeah. at both elements of that. But if you've not watched it by now, you need to jump on it and uh, get that watched. I feel the judgment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> I, so you should. I didn't have internet. So we will be back in a hot minute. Which is loosely translates about two weeks. Uh-huh. Yep. And by that point, Paul will have finished Genlock, so we'll have even more robots to talk about. And James will have watched it immediately before we record. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Listen, I have very unreliable internet in my flat, by which I mean I don't have internet, I have BT Wi Fi, so. Because I've got actual internet, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah I just need to yeah. come and live in your house. And on that note, <laughs> this has been an episode. I have been your host. My name is Matthew Briggs. I've been joined by our editor, Paul Stevens. Fair bears. And our resident bear expert. I just love those bears, man. Just bring me your bears. There's two bear experts in the house. (laughs) They're very different kinds of experts. Two different types of bear. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, it's the other one. Uh, Yeah. Actual bears. Actual bears. Actual bears. Yeah. I mean, she's not the other kind of bear, I can tell you that much. No. So maybe we'll have a bear cast in a a few weeks as well. I would assume we bear bears. I'll get on Grindr and ask. Yeah, it's not the right show. (laughs) Too many bears in this show. I mean, for you, maybe. I don't know. So that's been a podcast. That was in episode six. We'll be back in two weeks' time to discuss Genlock. Uh, We'll see you on the next show. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bears. (laughs) 